Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I'm good That's some bad hat It's a cool Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing WandaVision. Damask Leary, how you doing? Really well, Brad. I watched the Oprah special with Megan and Harry last night, so <laughs> pretty good right now. How, tell me all about it. I've seen a lot of reactions. I've not watched it myself. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated to hear what the revelations were. You know, Brad, sometimes you experience something that's too much to retell. Um, oh, I love watching a family drama play out in real life, particularly with the gossip that we got last night. Um well, the royals were fucking bitches to Megan, <laughs> firstly. Um, Oprah was asking all the right questions. I realised how much I missed her. Yep. It was, oh, you just got to watch it. It's real good. How long is it? Uh, well, on oh, free-to-air television, gross, it was two hours. Okay. But it had at least five billion ad breaks. Sure, sure, sure. So, I want to say a solid 45 minutes maybe? Okay. Oh, yeah. that's all so right. I could watch 45 minutes. Maybe like an hour tops. Okay. But there was so many ads, so it's kind of hard to tell. Sure. Uh, how does it, as someone who, because we've talked about this a lot and we've been watching The Crown, you know, we were not mm-hmm. royal aficionados before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, does this how, does this change your perception of that show at all? Does it fit in with what we think we understand about the Windsors? And- it fits in perfectly. <laughs> with like everything they're saying, um, everything Megan in particular is saying about, you know, the firm, the institution, sure, how sure. it runs, things she was saying, I was like, oh. Like Diana in that scene. Yes, I get it. I get it. You know, little things like her not leaving their little cottage they were living in for, or I think she might have even been in the palace at, the, at that point, but for like two months, not being yep. able to leave, no access to her passport. She's right. trapped in that environment and then being told that she's making herself too available to the public and to stay out of the spotlight. She sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. So, all that stuff, really good. You know, just mental health um, being scoffed at, ignored, being like, well, there's not much you can do about that. That is there. So, yeah, all the things that we've seen in The Crown, now it's, you know, Oprah's talking about it. All over <laughs> Can't again. wait for the next few seasons of that show. Well, that's why I'm interested to see now. Mm. Uh, do they extend it an extra season? Because there's definitely a season with the drama happening here. Or do you think that's where Reboot it in going five to? years, <laughs> with starting from here. Yeah, roll, yeah, yeah. roll back yeah. into it. <laughs> I can see that happening or like a follow-up movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I'm fascinated by mm-hmm. that. What about you, Brad? What's news? Uh, I've been on holidays, which has been good. Wonderful. It's been weirdly busy though, mm. all things considered. Um, bit of traveling around to see people and stuff like that. Sorry we didn't get to The Sopranos and we said we would. We'll get to that next week instead, The Sopranos Season 4. I'm halfway through that season. 
And uh, yeah, I oh, still to haven't started it. Over here. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie! Doing real well with that yep. one, uh, but we'll get we'll get to that one very very soon. I am really excited to talk about Wandavision. In Me fact, too. I want to put a warning up here now. This is one of those ones that could stretch out. This I could, I'm yeah. I could really see yep. this discussion. Either this discussion is like, oh yeah, we're all you know done and dusted with it quickly because we mm-hmm. know what we want to say. I've been thinking about the show a lot. I've watched mm-hmm. it twice. Yep. Or it's going to drag on for a long time as we get really into the weeds. With it, I hope see. it drags on because this show, it's week to week. So, I've yes. been having small discussions week to week, but haven't been able to discuss the whole picture. I've kind of been saving up some big discussion points yep. for this Ooh, one. all right. Lucky mm. me. Should be interesting. Anyway, let's not dilly-dally any longer. Let's get to our spoiler-free review of Division. Let me clue you in. Season in review. WandaVision is an American sitcom romance sci-fi mystery miniseries produced by Marvel Studios as the first Marvel Cinematic Universe TV show for Disney+, and due to COVID-related changes to release schedules, the first instalment in the MCU's Phase 4. Set sometime after the events of 2019 film Avengers Endgame, Wanda Maximoff and Vision are living an idyllic suburban life in the town of Westview, New Jersey, trying to conceal their true natures. However, something is amiss as they appear to be living inside a 1956 and, oh yeah, isn't Vision dead? Written by Jack Schaefer, known for co-writing films The Hustle, the upcoming Black Widow movie, and uncredited for Captain Marvel, and directed by Matt Shackman, who also directed episodes of It's Sunny in Philadelphia, Mad Men, Fargo, The Good Wife, Game of Thrones, The Boys, Succession, and The Great, and was an actual child star on 1980s sitcom Just the Ten of Us, the show stars Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, Catherine Hahn, Tayona Paris, Randall Park, and Kat Dennings. WandaVision consists of nine episodes, each ranging from 30 to 50 minutes, including five minutes plus of credits each episode, and took us approximately five hours to watch. While a second season of WandaVision has not been announced, the stories of these characters may or may not continue to future MCU movies and shows. So, Damask, before we get to our spoiler-free review, are you a fan of the Marvel comics and or the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I've read a few of the Marvel comics. I had the Marvel comic app thingy on and off the last oh god maybe five years which I found really helpful as I was getting further into the MCU because mm-hmm. um, obviously that was my jump into it although I did like the X-Men comic growing up so yes loved the films I've watched all of them except for Ant-Man and the Wasp still, still haven't not. watched I don't know why I haven't watched it I love Michelle Pfeiffer it makes no sense you should because there is a character in this that's pretty important in yes, that I'm, film as well I understand Rel- relatively important <laughs> yeah um, so yeah I've, I've been in love with the MCU for quite a while now that then led me to the comics which I enjoyed I mostly was reading the Civil War every kind of branch off mm-hmm. from that as much as I could consume um, yeah no big fan it's been some of my favorite going to the film or mm-hmm. going to the movie experiences in pff, how many years has it been? 12, 12 13, years, last I think, yeah. 13 years. Yeah. yeah. What about you, bro? Uh, well, I mean, we've talked about this at length. Mm. We were very hotly anticipating this show. We've talked, we've had spoiler discussions at the end of episodes for TV reviews we've done. We've talked we suffered about through the Netflix series, Infinity War and Endgame. We did stuff through the Netflix series. <gasps> I do want to ask about that as well, but the, mm. the MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm a massive fan of. Have really found that to be, uh, on average, very good. Yes. And really quite invested in that universe and those characters. Uh, Marvel Comics in general, I've definitely sort of dabbled with here and there. 
I've been a big fan of some of the X-Men stuff. Um, the Runaways I was a big fan of. Uh, yeah, I, I did read the Death of Captain America series, which was related to Civil War. Those sorts of things here and there. So I'm relatively um, sort of in tune with the, with the comics, but definitely more of an MCU fan. I came yeah. by it because of the movies, probably mm. more than anything. Um, what about those other TV shows or just superhero shows in general? We've talked about the Netflix um, Marvel series, which is sort of tangentially related but not quite as related back to the MCU as this series is? Yeah, so I really enjoyed season one of Jessica Jones Mm -hmm. and I still do. I think it's a genuinely good superhero TV show. Agreed. Um, I hated Daredevil. I didn't like Luke Cage. I fucking hated... Iron Fist was the worst. Iron Fist was so genuinely terrible that I I really have blocked it out. Um, Yeah, so... Oh yes, I've also watched the the DC some of the DC stuff. I tried to watch Batwoman season one. I got maybe three episodes <laughs> in. I was like, I can't do this to myself. I deserve better. I don't know if that's true, but you know, it's nice to have like a semblance of self respect, which is good. <laughs> um, I tried to watch Arrow. Yep. I grew up watching Smallville. I enjoyed that for maybe the sure. first three seasons, and then it went off the rails. But that's fine. Um, so I'm not opposed to a superhero TV show. Yeah. It's just been rare for me to be like, oh, beyond the concept, there's something really good here. Mm -hmm. I haven't really had much of that experience, yeah. Yeah, similar. I've liked things here and there. Daredevil Season 1 I still think is good. uh, Jessica Jones Season 1 definitely. Defenders Mm. was trash. Luke Cage, I didn't mind Season 1 of that. Iron Fist was awful. So that's the (laughs) Netflix side of things. I I think I watched all of, if not most of... Um, the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which oh, yes, took yeah, a while. Too. It really hit its stride at the end of that season and I never came back to it. Mm-hmm. I've heard relatively good things about that series, but yeah. I don't think that's the kind of TV I'm interested in these days. I want to get to Agent Carter. That's yes. up there. Tried watching the Runaways TV show. Oh, I watched the first episode and I was like, how dare you? Well, the second episode was even worse. I got two episodes <laughs> and oh, that no. went... Yeah, nah, you've, yeah. you've lost me. I don't think you understand what the appeal of The Runaways is. Um, stuff like that here mm. and there. Yeah, Smallville, Lois and Clark back in the day. Oh, yes, when we were very young, which very is now brilliant. rebooted. Has been rebooted now. Is getting mm-hmm. a second season, I heard the other day. It's uh, been Can't renewed already. Can't wait not to watch that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, it's been there. I haven't paid that much attention to it. Here and there, I've dabbled, I guess. Mm. But nothing's really stuck for me so far. With all that in mind, Damask, would you like to give your spoiler-free review of WandaVision? I would like to do that. It's so hard to give a spoiler-free review for this show. It is extremely hard. But I, I think I've managed it. If I haven't, just just stop me and I'll Well, I, maybe, maybe that's things. something we should say right now, actually. That is worth saying. I don't think you can talk about this show at all without spoiling mm. some of the key concept, which... Yes. Is there in the trailer, if you apply mm-hmm. a single brain cell to it, you'll understand some some of what's going on here. Yeah. But it is going to be difficult. Yeah, I think there's you've got to give some stuff away to talk mm-hmm. about. So if this is a show that you're hotly anticipating, you don't want any spoilers yep. for, if you've somehow avoided that on the internet as well, mm. just for the general concept, yeah. get out now, go watch it. Maybe come back after a few episodes once because we're probably talking more about that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we'll get to the real deep dive later. But it's it's going to be very hard to just be completely spoiler-free even in this part of the show. Yep. Go for it. Okay, so WandaVision takes loud, action-packed fight scenes 
and replaces them with quirky homages of sitcoms to facilitate full character arcs that had me tearing up. The show also offers up a fun little mystery that you get to unpack with your friends every week. It was also inviting enough to those who weren't previously in love with the MCU. So it was nice to kind of have these chats with people that I otherwise hadn't had previously. This was a surprise to me. I was Mm. hanging out with you on the weekend and people that I never expected to be into WandaVision, let alone the MCU at all, were telling me they loved the show. Yeah. I was like... Oh, cool. This is reaching across boundaries. Yes, I um, really appreciated that. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, week to week, it really was a joy to watch. For me, my favourite films in the MCU are usually centred around Captain America. He's a character whose quiet pain is constantly overshadowed by his drive to uphold the greater good. Cap's personal tale of balancing big bads with personal struggles speaks to me. All our MCU heroes tend to have their own troubles, that's for sure. But, you know, Tony Stark and Thor were two guys born into privilege who have to have that ego broken down before they can be rebuilt. Cap was down in the dirt, stood up, fell again and kept getting back up. And that's why I loved him. Wanda, too, has struggles somewhat similarly, not in terms of exactly what has happened, but in terms of being born down in that dirt. She has struggle after struggle that she's had to overcome in the films, but she never got her own series of movies to explore her own personal devastation. Finally, we get to meet the real her and what it all equates to, as well as explore a relationship we were told about in the films, but saw very little of. It's a much-needed exploration of a powerful character that has often been sidelined by those that originated the MCU. You know, Wanda was born in deprivation, so we meet her in the films as someone who has felt a great deal of pain. She then becomes a hero herself, but who is she? WandaVision allows us to see this hero in a totally new world, one of American abundance, of unwavering familial love and safety, and it is a fun and insightful experience to watch her and Vision in this world. It's strange and bewildering at first, but soon becomes a captivating tale of growth and perseverance. I can't say more than that, other than I loved it. I loved looking at TV through the prism of Marvel characters. It certainly wasn't wasted on these two fringe characters. In fact, it was perfect for them both. I want more, please. And that's all I can really say. Sure. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable saying more. Well, similarly, I want you to tell me if you think I'm overstepping the mark here a little bit because I think you are very, very good at being vague. Okay, good. (laughs) And I'll try my best, but I I do think to some degree I'm going to have to give at least some of the general early premise away here. We'll see. Yeah. It's fair to say I've been pretty excited about WandaVision since first hearing about it. As a big fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe up to this point, there were a number of things to be enthused about. First was the notion of the MCU branching out into television at all. I generally love the MCU movies, but taking these characters to TV could allow for longer, more involved, less action-heavy and more character-driven stories that wouldn't work on the big screen, but do work when cut down into episodic chunks. Secondly, while Marvel in general and even specifically the MCU-related series have already existed, they focused on less important, more marginal characters and stories and barely had any connection to the larger narrative taking place in the movies. Now, just about any existing character, even the real heavy hitters, were capable of making a trip to TV land. More exciting still was just the general concept of WandaVision being teased. Wanda and Vision, two powerful and important but always overshadowed characters with an apparent but never fully explored romance, featuring in a nine-episode rom-com-style trip through the history of American TV sitcoms in the style of The Dick Van Dyke Show and Bewitched, yes, 
Yes, a thousand times yes, this is weird, bold, fresh, and a potentially brilliant use of the TV format to hopefully tell a story that stylistically and functionally they couldn't tell in cinemas. If Marvel is going to slide its tendrils out of the box office and into the idiot box, this is the way to do it. And what a perfect way to start the era of of MCU TV, right? A TV show about TV shows? Very cool. So, did WandaVision live up to its potential? I would say a slightly conditional but mostly emphatic yes. It gets a lot right, and I had a ton of fun watching it, even if it stumbles a little bit here and there. If nothing else, this show has style. The money and the skill on screen from a production standpoint is second to none, particularly when focused on its recreations of each different era of sitcoms. The show is admirably committed to looking and feeling as authentic as possible with perfect implementation of sets, costumes, makeup, audio, music, aspect ratios, laugh tracks, everything. This isn't a parody. It may comment on the formats it's aping here and there, but it's never poking fun at them. It is a loving recreation, a deliberate attempt to be them, except when it's not. WandaVision is also charming as hell, thanks mostly to some absolutely stellar performances from Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, and Catherine Hahn. They have the incredibly tough task of having to play multiple different versions of their characters as they move through each decade of TV, and each one of them knocks out of the park. Elizabeth Olsen is utterly adorable. My favourite era being her Samantha from Bewitched-esque performance in Mm -hmm. episode two, and a master of these cartoony face-pulling expressions you'd see in in that sort of sitcom. Paul Bettany reminded me why I loved him so much as Chaucer in A Knight's Tale with his incredible delivery, and Catherine Hahn's comic timing is second to none. It was a joy to watch them work, enhancing everything being given to them on the page. And what was given to them was mostly good. Everyone's mileage may vary about how successful the comedy stylings were translated from these iconic sitcom styles into WandaVision, but even if the written word wasn't as authentic as the production values around it, the interpretation by the actors meant a joke or a beat hit well enough anyway. What I haven't talked about so far, and I'm deliberately trying to avoid, are the heavily spoilery aspects of the show that are best discovered by the audience. There is another layer to this show, a darker, creepier, sometimes Lynchian side that cuts to the core of the emotional story being told and plants this show squarely in the realm of the J.J. Abrams mystery box format that I look forward to talking about in our deep dive spoiler discussion after the break. This and a third, more familiar sort of Marvel superhero layer that pops its head up too is where I had some issues. I have many thoughts regarding the strengths and weaknesses of this show in uh, its weekly release schedule as well, and managing a rabid viewer expectations. But I'll put it this way. On a second watch, without the time to speculate and knowing where the story was headed, the show held together better than I initially thought, and it's at its best the further away it is from the style of the movies that preceded it. Ultimately, where this show triumphed as a new arm of the MCU juggernaut was taking characters that I only kind of cared about, bringing them to the forefront, and making me want them to be there both on TV and in the movies. Hopefully, the success of this show emboldens Marvel to keep taking big, weird, risky swings for the fence and not feel like TV shows have to be scaled down superhero action movies. If so... Count me in for the long haul. There was another critique I thought of as a, sort of just reading this now that I wanted to add in as well. Mm-hmm. There are side characters that I do appreciate um, and they do some good story work with them. Mm-hmm. They kind of get left behind towards the end of the series as well, Yep. Um, which is a little bit disappointing. I think there was potential to have them be more involved in the conclusion of the story and they kind of just weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's got more to do with MCU's problem of always trying to look forward to the next thing. And yes. It's more about mm-hmm. filtering into that, which can be frustrating at times. But the core story of this show, the main reason I was here, I was very, very satisfied with. Mm-hmm. 
What's your score, Damask? I am giving this show, without a doubt, five stars for me. Whoa. I think my expectations were really high. Yes. Week to week, I was having a really good time. And like you, I've done the rewatch. So I would do the classic. I'd watch it, obviously, the night that it came out. And then either immediately after or the next morning, I would re-watch the episode. And then earlier today, I re-watched the whole thing, episode mm-hmm. after episode after episode, knowing the conclusion. And it's so beautifully put together. And it's it knows what it's doing and it executes it so expertly. Mm-hmm. It's just got to be five stars for me. Yeah, Sure. I'm going to give it a high four out of five, mm-hmm. which is sort of the excellent territory. Five stars, I've always said, is like masterful. And there are parts of this show that are masterfully done. Mm -hmm. There are parts of it where the best parts of the show, I think, are fighting with the fact that it's a Marvel TV show. Mm -hmm. And that's... I want to talk about this a little bit in spoilers as well. There's a learning curve here for the Marvel and there's a learning curve for the audience, Mm -hmm. which we're going to take a lot of lessons away from this, I think. And that's very exciting. But man... I remember watching those first two episodes with you here and I was just mm. like, this is the fucking show. I oh, cannot believe yeah. this is the show we're getting. <laughs> this is way cooler than we yeah. deserve. I'm having it's- so much fun. Yeah. Um, and who the fuck knows where it's going? No idea. Let me put it this way. I'm mm. giving it four out of five, a high four out of five, as I said, as a rating. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, and I'm a big fan of the MCU, there's a few of those films that I think are just brilliant. Mm-hmm. This would rate really highly among the MCU in general, though. Me too, yeah. Really highly. Um, which I think says a lot. Like, probably in the top five, maybe even slightly higher. Mm. Like, it's very, very, very good. It I'm, really I, is, I'm, yeah. I'm a big, big fan of what we got. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. All right, before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys hunting seasons to please review us on Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars and maybe a couple of nice words our way. And to sweeten the deal, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. We would also love you to share hunting seasons with friends and family who you think might also enjoy listening. Next week, we'll be back, and we really will this time, with our (laughs) review of The Sopranos Season 4. If you'd like to contribute to our discussion of The Sopranos, or if you have any thoughts on WandaVision, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at HuntingSCast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for WandaVision. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning 
From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in WandaVision. We recommend watching all of WandaVision before listening any further. If you've not done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You, you have been, been warned. warned. Kids, I'm going to tell you an incredible story. Storytime with Damask. Welcome to America's favourite sitcom, WandaVision. Vision and Mrs. Vision move into Westview. And today is a very important day. If only they could remember why. Is it their anniversary? Is it a birthday? Nope. Vision and Wanda must host Vision's boss and his wife in order to secure a promotion. Hijinks ensue, but thankfully their plucky neighbour Agnes drops by to help them out. As the two couples sit down for dinner, Mr Hart begins to choke. Suddenly Mrs Hart is begging for it to stop. She is speaking directly to Wanda. Wanda asks Vision to use his superpowers to clear the man's airway. He does. All is well in Westview. Except, what the fuck just happened and who is in control here? Next, we have Wanda heading to a planning committee. Agnes informs her that she must impress Dottie, the neighbourhood queen bee. Wanda is all nerves as she tries to fit in. And thankfully, she makes a new friend in Geraldine. Vision joins the fellas at the Neighbourhood Watch. He too wants to fit in and chews on some big red gum in order to convince the guys that he loves human food just like them. But when he accidentally swallows it, his wiring goes all skewiff. During the talent show, it appears as though Vision has had one too many rum and cokes. Wanda manages to convince the town that Vision's strange behaviour isn't because he is a super-powered cyborg robot man. Everyone claps, and the event, for the children, goes swimmingly. But changes in the air when Wanda realises she's got a cute little baby bump. Cue Technicolor. The bump grows and grows. Wanda gets a stalker in the form of an actual stalk, which she has to hide from her new friend Geraldine. The neighbours are a little suspicious though. Who is Geraldine? And why doesn't she have a home in Westview? Wanda gives birth to twins, Tommy and Billy. Geraldine helps pull them out of her. Everyone is all aglow. That is until Geraldine mentions Ultron. She's trying to bond, being all like, didn't your bro die because of that James Spader voice monstrosity? But Wanda is not interested in reminiscing. So she blasts Geraldine out of her house, through the town and onto the other side of the hex wall, where sword agents rush to collect her and get much needed intel. Oh, and her name isn't Geraldine, it's Monica. So, we're having a flashback. Monica comes back from the snap. She's in hospital and frantically asking where her mum has gone. She's told that her mum died three years ago. She is devastated. But it's not long before she's eager to get back to work. An average white guy called Hayward has failed upwards thanks to the snap. So, Monica, instead of being the head of S.W.O.R.D., is now being sent on a missing persons mission in New Jersey. She meets up with Agent Wu, who tells her that not only is their witness missing, but a whole town seems to no longer exist, despite it being right in front of their eyes. Monica's curiosity gets the best of her, and she pushes past the invisible border and is sucked into the TV world that Wanda has created. Sword are at a loss as to what the cause of the phenomena is, so they call in the big guns all of which are totally useless except for Darcy from the Thor films. Within five minutes, she does what countless others can't. Blah, blah, radioactive waves and quantum leaps, she discovers WandaVision, 
and plugs it into a TV. They all start watching, but scratching their heads as to why this thing exists to begin with. Back in WandaVision land, we are in the 80s. The twins quickly grow and discover a stray dog to welcome into the family. Agnes once again pops by at just the right time to offer a doghouse. Vision is growing increasingly suspicious about the world around him. The boys grow a little bigger in order to keep their dog Sparky, but alas, the poor pooch goes missing and is discovered dead in Agnes's bushes. Billy and Tommy beg Wanda to bring him back to life. Agnes is very curious that she has that ability, but no, Wanda says the boys have to deal with the pain of loss. Bit rich, mum, jeez. Haywood sends in a drone and tries to shoot Wanda. She then runs out to the real world, punches Haywood in the dick and tells him that he's powerless to stop her. You'd think he'd get the message, but of course he doesn't. While at work, Vision gets an email from the outside world. Monica, Darcy and Wu realise they might be able to reach him via electronic mail. They send a message detailing that Wanda is behind the weird world he now inhabits. He then uses his powers to free the mind of one of his co-workers, who screams at him that he is trapped in a waking nightmare. Vision comes home and wants to chat to Wanda about it. She's not really into discussing the complicated reality, so they fight. That is, until the doorbell rings. And surprise, it's her bro, Pietro. Except now he has a new face, courtesy of Evan Peters. Oh well, it's time for a Halloween special. Wanda, Pietro and the twins go trick-or-treating while Vision is on Neighbourhood Watch. Well, not really. He's off exploring the rest of the town where he discovers that the further he goes out, the more people seem to be stuck in a loop, like they're paused until Wanda has something for them to do. Wanda and Pietro discuss how full-on and impressive it is that Wanda was able to manipulate this whole thing into existence. And, you know, they kind of chat about the moral implications of changing the lives of a whole town. Vision finds Agnes in a car near the border of the Hex. He frees her mind. She tells him that he is an Avenger and that he is meant to be dead. Of course, he has no memory of this. Vision then tries to walk through the border. As he does, his body begins to break apart. He manages to see Haywood and co. Vision tells them that they need to help the people inside the town. Of course, while this is all happening, young Billy hears his dad screaming, goes to his mum, asks for help, and in order to save Vision, Wanda expands the border of the town and sucks into it the sword camp. Haywood and our friends manage to outrun it, except for Darcy. Next episode, we are in the 2000s. Wanda has fallen into a depression. Meanwhile, Darcy and Vision are driving back from the border to talk to Wanda. She puts up every possible impediment to stall them. Wanda isn't functioning too well right now, so Agnes offers to take the twins with her in order for Mum to have some me time. Monica and Wu meet up with someone that has built a super tank in order to penetrate the border. It doesn't work, so Monica, being Monica, just decides to smash through it with pure will. Now she has glowing eyes and some kind of superpower. She goes to visit Wanda and have a chat about feelings. Once again, Wanda is a big no to that. They get into a bit of a fight. Agnes sees this and tells Monica to fuck off. While at Agnes's place, Wanda notices some home improvements. Very witchy chic, if you will. 
lots of vines and runes. Agnes swoops down and introduces herself as a lady named Agatha Harkness. Ooh! Then she binds Wanda up and they go on a journey through Wanda's memories. Trauma, trauma, trauma. They relive Wanda's parents dying, Wanda being experimented on, Pietro dying, and also, after the return of everyone that vanished in the snap, Wanda goes to S.W.O.R.D. to get Vision's body back, Haywood tries to goad her into powering up his body again, she's not having it though, she wants her hubby back, but his soul is long gone. So she travels to Westview, where Vision planned to make a life with her, she is very, very sad, screams a bunch and creates the WandaVision world. Whew, what a flashback. Back to the present where Agatha says she'll kill the twins unless Wanda hands over her powers. She wants to suck them all right up. Wanda is like, mm, nah, they battle it out. Meanwhile, Hayward is ready to start up his new toy, aka White Vision. He's managed to power it with the energy of an object Wanda came into contact with. So White Vision heads to town to kill Wanda, but before he gets the chance, lovable Vision stops him. And finally, we get to see Paul Bettany work with an actor he has long respected and always wanted to work with. Yes, he plays with himself. You cheeky bugger, Paul Bettany. The two boys talk philosophy in a library while our two witches shoot blasts of light at each other. Lovable Vision convinces White Vision that he can't kill the real Vision because a ship is a ship unless it isn't a ship, but also it is a ship. You know, look, I think we all get it, obviously, you know, ships and such. Anyway, uh, Hayward and his troops come to join the fight, but Tommy and Billy fight them all with the help of Monica and Darcy. Agatha has wandered up against the ropes and drains her of her power, except, psych, Wanda puts up some runes, rendering Agatha powerless. Wanda wins! And instead of sending her to jail, Wanda turns Agatha into the nosy neighbour to reside in Westview forever. Wanda has to destroy the Hex, though. Which means her hubby and kids will disappear. It's very sad as they all fade away, but it's lovely. And maybe one day they will be reunited again. The cops come in to debrief everyone, but Wanda decides she'd rather build a shack in New Zealand and spend her days drinking peppermint tea while quantum leaping around the multiverse and learning all about her new Scarlet Witch powers. The end. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. I literally have about eight pages of notes. Cool, because I have three notes and a Good. lot of feelings. Good. All right, let's start. Let's start with your notes. Then I want to know what you want to talk about first. Okay, so this is the because I didn't take any notes while I was watching it. Well, that's why I rewatched it. Yeah. Was like I, I was doing the same thing every week. I was like, I just want to enjoy this. I'm not yeah. going to go through critical brain yet. Mm-hmm. So I had to do a rewatch. Yeah. Actually, I reckon I've watched the first episode like five or six times. Yes, there's certain episodes that I've definitely definitely watched. Yeah, at least five times, I think. And the first time, I think I just. I really just enjoy that it's charming and easy to watch. 22 yeah. minutes, it's like... Yeah, I think I just had like a dumb look on my face and then it ended up and I just kind of said, what happened? Like, <laughs> I was just, yeah. Anyway, so the first note I took was like right after I had finished the show sure. entirely and there was so much expectation as to what that episode was going to look like. Very much so. At that point. And I simply wrote, 
theories and the possibilities of multiverse is fun, Mm -hmm. but this story is actually about something quieter and more meaningful than all of that. That was my initial note at the very end. Because as the final episode was rolling out before my eyes, I was like, oh, no, maybe I'm not going to – maybe they're not going to stick the landing for me. Maybe I'm not – I don't think I'm enjoying this as much as I thought I would. And then we get to the final act of that last episode. Sorry, that's my dog being an asshole. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, it, it ha- it, this is it sticking the landing. That fight scene, all that cool action, that was fine. Though action sequences aren't my favorite thing. It's hard for me to concentrate. I enjoyed the vision stuff. But the moment of saying goodbye, the yeah. moments of saying goodbye – were yeah, I was like, okay, good. This show knew what it was doing and yep. it did it. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Let's let, let's talk about that. There's, there's yeah, the last episode. Okay, the action stuff, and you've always struggled with that anyway. Even yes. in Marvel movies, mm-hmm. the action stuff like it just doesn't interest you that yeah. much. Unless there's like it's a really emotional action sequence. I'm thinking, you know, when we've got Tony Stark or Iron Man fighting Captain America and Winter Soldier, like those really kind of high emotionally motivated stuff. Yeah, that that stuff can work for me fine. Sure. But, you know, then the bigger scenes I can often get lost. Yeah. Or if it's just a a big bad that I'm not super into, then I'm like, whatever, we know who's going to win kind of of stuff. But yeah. And it's the, when I talk about like the the third level of this, the MCU Mm. action superhero stuff that crept into the show right at the end. It's really the only place it happens. It's like 20 to 30 minutes of it, but it takes up a large chunk of finale Mm. where there felt like there was a million threads to, to deal with. And we had all this action that doesn't look as good as it does in the movies. And I mm. don't expect it to, but when it's there and it's going to be compared to it, it's like it's hard to avoid that comparison to some degree. Um, but I was just like, oh, no, this is <laughs> this is not what I want out of this finale yeah. at all. And that was very disappointing at first. There was the expectation based on fan theories and stuff, and we'll talk about that in a second as well. Mm-hmm. And so it, I was, you know, things were sort of not happening and quickly unraveling those yeah. theories and you're like, oh, that's a shame. I was starting to worry about the time. <laughs> However, yes. I had also, ever since one of the biggest reveals on the show, which was Pietro, right? Mm-hmm. The Pietro showing up at the doorstep, but mm-hmm. it's not Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Evan, Evan Peters. Peters. Yeah. And that blew my mind mm-hmm. and everyone's mind because there is this poten- what it means for the potential of the MCU is huge, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. We had many discussions about this, yes. Many. Mm-hmm. But I had also it crossed my mind, I made note of it to think about this and be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. What if this is a meta joke essentially? Mm-hmm. It's playing with us and it's not what we think it is. Yeah. Because there's it there's it's baited, it's baited to us to think this way. Mm-hmm. And it might not be what we want it to be. Yes. Just because it's there, they haven't promised us anything. They haven't mm-hmm. told us what this is yet. It's a mystery for a reason. What if it's just a bait and switch? And it was. And people got really annoyed about that. But I was kind of like, okay, that's a shame that's not what it was. But I was prepared for the idea that maybe I was going to be <laughs> disappointed yeah. by that part. But emotionally, they mm. got to where they needed to go for the most part, I think. They also abandoned the Monica stuff, though. Like, she really has nothing to do in the finale at all. Darcy has nothing to do in the finale at all. No, it's just like, you know, those two will become like an extra gun to shoot off during a big battle. 
and that's about it. Yeah. Obviously, the Monica stuff is leading up into, was it Captain Marvel 2? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, that is part of Marvel's problem is always, yeah, setting up the next the, the next, next thing. Yeah, yeah. I did read an article today. Apparently, there was talk that they were meant to be more involved in the finale, but mm. then there was... they Because production was halted because of COVID-19. They came mm-hmm. back and shot it later, and they were still... It was still in production two weeks before it aired. In fact, one of the reasons we only got two episodes released the first week and not three as intended, because they wanted to give them mm. another week to get the finale ready. Yeah, okay. So, possibly there was... From what I read, though, about what it was, it doesn't sound like it was all that interesting, but right. we would have had a little bit more time with Monica and stuff. Right. Okay. Um... So if, if if feeling their absence a little bit, that's possibly mm. COVID related to some degree. So maybe we can give yeah. that a little bit. I mean, it doesn't bother me too much because they hit the important beats I need. They, I I think so. And while I thought Monica was a great character, she wasn't part of that central story that was where my emotional investment was Definitely. at. So I wasn't too upset about that. The same thing with the Pietro stuff, like. When it first happened, I was like, this is so fucking cool. Oh, my God. Like, what does this mean Mean. for the universe now, the multiverse? What does that mean to, like, who also could have a cameo experience? Like, sorry, a cameo. Yep, into, like, into the show, yeah. I'm looking for a word and it's just gone. No. <laughs> a, ca- a cameo, yeah, a, that'll A do. cameo in the show. Um, you know, appearance. I, appearance, that's it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I was really excited about that. And then when it happened, I saw a lot of people were really disappointed. I don't think I was. I think I was fine with that being it. Oh, I am too. Yeah. In fact, I laugh. Are, we ta- are you specifically talking about what they did with Pietro or that there wasn't Pietro, more? yeah, yeah. I, I do like it. In, mm. in generally, I would have loved it to have met more. Yeah, but I also so this is part. This is like the first lesson. Oh, well, the first lesson was Marvel needs to not have to shoehorn in action where it doesn't need to. Mm-hmm. Right, just because there's an expectation, it's a Marvel thing. I don't think anyone that was watching the show was really like. I saw some people were like can't wait for the big battle, but most people who were really invested in the show, I think, were like. Just can't wait to see what this means. Where all the gonna, pieces together. All the pieces together. Yeah. Not I mm-hmm. want. Vision shooting lasers at another vision. Like no. that was, I don't think that was the thing that people wanted. No. I don't think it's people thing that people are going to remember from this. In fact, someone asked the question, I think it was Joanna Robinson. It's a good question. How, how many MCU movies are the battle sequences, particularly the final battle sequences, the highlight of the movie for you? Mm. And there's very few. Yeah. I'd maybe argue Captain America Civil War, which mm-hmm. is one of my all time favorite. That ending of that film is fantastic. Yeah, it is. And that might be it. Yeah. Maybe maybe the first Avengers movie. That, I the, mean... The, the Battle of New York is pretty excellent. In terms <laughs> of like just getting to a place we've always wanted to get to with these characters and this massive team up. Yeah, I mean, the very famous shot of the... the that rotating of shot is just very... Iconic. And the music, and you're like, oh, yes. Yeah. And like you said, Civil War. Like I... That's what I mentioned earlier, right? Where yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Like, because it really means something, and you've got many films to build it up, and yeah. why that, how that fight ends is so important on a personal level, level, and not so much about like, is it going to destroy the world yeah. level, which is great, and I totally agree with that. I don't think it's necessary. I appreciate they gave that to people who probably did really want a fight sequence. It sure. didn't. Yeah, bother me too much, but I was looking at the clock, being like, "We're running out of time for emotions, guys." Yeah. yeah. Um, but 
yeah, upon reflection when I'm looking at the Pietro stuff, one, it was great just to kind of experience that and then have all the fun with my friends talking about what it means, going on Twitter and mm-hmm. like reading what what does it mean, what does it mean, just getting very excited. So in that way, it just infused the season with so much excitement and possibility, which is what a character like Scarlet Witch, Wanda, should. Like the possibilities are endless. What does it all mean? We can go anywhere. How exciting. Tell a story about that character. But then when I watched it, the third time all the way through, it really, it serves such a good purpose. It's not gratuitous fan service. It's, well, Wanda believes this person to be her brother. Well, she's, and she's so, in actively investigating for the first time in the entire show. Yes. So, the rest of the show, it's constant like everything's fine, yeah. denial, 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 mm-hmm. nothing's wrong here, everything's good, yeah. trying to make sure that Vision is fine because ultimately the whole reason this exists is to have him mm-hmm. and to like let him exist in this idyllic life with her. And he's investigating and she's trying to just like... Don't, just worry, don't about worry about it. it. Don't worry it's about it. It's all cool. Yeah, yeah. It's not until th- Peter shows up, Pietro shows up, that she's like... Uh, do you remember that kid that used to pick on you? So it's like she's never cared about the overall mystery yeah. until that. Um, yeah, it, it ignites a curiosity, absolutely, which is really exciting. Because yeah. now, like, well, now she's kind of trying to figure things out. We also have Pietro asking questions on behalf of Agnes, Agatha, oh, Agatha yeah. um, as well as the audience being like, yes. "Can I have more information?" But it also serves a purpose of like, now that she, her curiosity is sparked that this guy is not something not right about him, Mm -hmm. but because we recognize him as audience members, as that character, although from a different universe, we can understand why her, in this delusion, would trust him to kind of have a conversation with him. It it does work on a lot of levels that I think work and I think it's really smart to do it that way. It is basically, I was listening to another podcast. Boy, I've listened to a lot of people talk about this. (laughs) Have you? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And some of it's really insightful and some of it's not. Um, (laughs) But it does kind of work as like to do to Wanda, do to us what Agatha is doing to Wanda at the same time. Absolutely. Is that we're inherently suspicious, but also want it to be Mm -hmm. true. Yes. Because it would be a good thing if this was true, essentially. Like you, yeah. And it's, it works on that level. Um, But the lesson I think Marvel need to have learnt after this Mm. is that audiences are always going to read into the, like. Oh, yeah. Audiences always want more, Mm -hmm. right? Every time you give us a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. And even your cute little just winks and nods to ideas spin out into theories and things. So, (laughs) my first real question I wanted to ask you was, was the weekly release schedule a good thing or a bad thing for this show? Because you've talked about, to some degree, the good thing about it, which was it was an experience to be a Mm -hmm. part of. Yes. Where every week we got to come together and watch this show and talk about theories and what does this mean, what does that mean, and blah, 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 what's Mm -hmm. it all going to amount to. But the other side of it is that everyone was talking about it every week mm. and building up and spinning theories and Marvel doesn't have control of the show once it's in the can, right? Mm-hmm. They're not listening to theories and go, oh, that's a good idea. We should put that in there. That thing was done. Mm-hmm. So as we develop theories and ideas and expectations as an audience, they can't do anything except watch it happen. Yeah. And that's tough. Whereas if it was released all at once, 
as a binge thing, we wouldn't have this collective experience, which is not as good for marketing and generally not as exciting Mm -hmm. as an experience overall, but you don't have the expectations build up then come crashing down. Like the Pietro thing, Mm. if three episodes later you find out he's Ralph Boner, doesn't mean as much mm. if you didn't get to sit here and go, but what is that? Mag- mm. We get Magneto? Wait, is Patrick Stewart going to be in the next episode? Which is I what was happening. Like, it depends on your perspective, right? So you say, you know, the expectations around Pietro and like the excitement around that and talking about that. Yeah. If you then find that experience disappointing because you didn't get the specific thing you wanted, yes. then it would be bad. I don't feel that way. I find that excitement is worthwhile in and of itself. True. Like I... Loved having something else to watch. Like Game of Thrones is long gone and we don't need to discuss that anymore. Um, but Never like that again. that week to week thing was so exciting and I loved it. And I really missed that kind of community watching experience. Yeah. And to have that again, I was so thankful for it. I also loved like how popular it was and everyone was getting involved mm-hmm. in those conversations. And I was just absorbing information and being like, oh, yeah, no, I, th- I like that theory or like, theorizing myself and having great discussions with you about it and lots of other friends that was so much fun Mm -hmm. and whether it went where I thought it might go yeah it doesn't deprive me of those like great times that I had watching the show so the other side of it is the audience needs to now learn what to expect from the Marvel Cinematic Universe shows which is don't like fun to speculate Mm -hmm. don't let it get in the way of the enjoyment of what is actually happening in the story Um, I think also, just an expectation of how much can be achieved in one of these shows. Because mm. people were talking about this is going to rip open the multiverse. This is where yeah. we're going to start to see X-Men stuff appearing. All sorts of stuff like that. And I don't think that was ever realistic, right? No. Yeah, That's right. going to happen in the movies where they've got mm-hmm. the budget and they know they're going to get bums on seats and make the money through ticket sales and stuff like yeah. that. That's where the big events are going to happen. This was more or less, I think, boils down to a romance slash origin story. It's yes. a romance story between... Wanda and Vision, and it's an origin story for the Scarlet Witch, yeah. which we needed to move her into the forefront of the next phase of Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's what its goal was. It was never meant to rip open the multiverse and introduce the X-Men and yeah. Fantastic Four and all these things that people wanted. Mm. And now we need to go, cool, let's remember that with everything that comes out now. With Loki, <laughs> yeah. with... And it, like if something like that happens, yeah. great, but let's not expect it. That's the movie stuff to do. Yes. At the and same so like, time... yeah. I do think Marvel needs to go, while the Evan Peters thing might have been cute, and I can see how they thought it was funny, Mm. they need to be very careful about that stuff because that one, if anything was critical about what they did, that one did seem like they were really teasing the fan base, I think. I can understand why. Why not? Can't we be teased? Can't we be teased? I'm not upset, but I can see why some people were. Mm. Particularly because we didn't get any Aaron Taylor... Johnson in this yeah. as well. I was expecting him to maybe show up in the flashback episode. Mm. I think one scene with him would have helped mm-hmm. to like take the edge off Evan Peters being the only version of Quicksilver that we got mm. and him not actually being Quicksilver. If we just got a little bit of him in there in a flashback. Well, who knows where the future will take us, bro. But I also think like, you know, this with all the theories out there and stuff and, you know, people coming up with their own, there's such like an ownership of that yeah. theory. So if you come up with an idea and you really think it's true and if it doesn't come true, that means that the idea that the creators had is less valuable to you. Yeah. And I think that's like people just need to fucking work through their own bullshit really around that. I, I understand expectations. But, yeah, like you said, if it destroys your enjoyment of a show, yeah, then like why are you watching these things for? 
you're not having fun anymore. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, and it's... I, I also think collectively a lot of people, and including myself in this, and this is why the rewatch was so valuable, was poss- we're watch- watching the show in the wrong way. Mm. It was always about what's going to happen next rather than what is happening and what's the show trying to tell mm-hmm. me, what's the story it's actually telling me. Because if I examined it from that way, I would have seen most of the ending coming. I would have seen most of the reveals coming because mm-hmm. the clues are there. Um, it's way... On a rewatch, I realized the show is actually more sophisticated than I initially thought Mm -hmm. as I was enjoying it from week to week. Like the Fietro stuff was so exciting when it showed up and I'm really glad I was there to experience as it did. But if if any of us were – no one was paying attention to the fact that his necklace was consistent from one episode to the next when he was Fietro, Mm. right? I didn't even know he was wearing a necklace. Right? (laughs) Yeah. The same way that Agnes was wearing the same brooch, which Mm -hmm. is what clued people into the fact that she'd be a significant character. And like Agatha Harkness, after the first episodes, people picked her as Agatha Mm. Harkness. I'm so glad that wasn't spoiled for me. Oh, really? I never saw that name on Twitter anywhere. Wow, that's exciting. And I don't like listen to any of the podcasts or any of that stuff. See, I remember seeing those those thoughts that it was going to be that from the trailers. Oh, really? I was was going to this show with that expectation. Like, why would you... You know, cast Catherine Hans to not be a significant yeah. character. Well, I figured she would be. Sure. But I, in terms of that specific character, I never saw the name. I had nothing to Google. I've, I, for a long time, suspected her as being some kind of puppet master um, or the big bad at the end. Sure. I sure. think, like, most people had that, particularly because it is Catherine Hahn and she is in so many important moments, constantly popping in. She's the only other character that does that, that is a part of the family unit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yes, I, I assume. But it's – I didn't know I didn't know the name Agatha Harkness and I'm sure. there because if I did, I probably would have Googled it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Which, I appreciate well, that. The thing is, even if you did, in the comic, she's not necessarily a villain. She sort of plays both sides yeah. a little bit, but she's generally been Wanda's mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, which she kind of gets that yeah. role in here because she does teach which her like, a few Once we got Agatha all along, then of course I immediately Googled who <laughs> she was. Uh, man, that was a highlight of the show. Wasn't it just? It was Agatha so much fun. It yeah. was, I remember it happening and being like, this is super fun. Mm. I don't know what it means yet because I don't understand what she was trying to achieve. Mm. Again, on a rewatch and understanding the stuff that we've yes. got, it's very clear what she was trying to do the whole mm-hmm. time. And you even see her shifting gears and trying different approaches and like getting desperate even getting mm. to the point where like okay swords on their way i need to just get this out of her now because yeah the jig is almost up TikTok, yeah. TikTok sort of thing like you see it happening but it's never sort of outright said even agatha all along does it doesn't seem to show most of the manipulation she did it's sort of like just clues you yeah, in that it she doesn't was even behind. like yeah it certainly doesn't give you really motive you're just no. like oh so now i know that she is a part of this and she's not you know, a part of the the machinations or the delusion itself. She is she has an awareness that the others don't, and she has participated in changing that reality. But I, at this point, I don't know why. Well, I've got no fucking idea. The, even the the song Agatha all along almost suggests she was part of the reason the hex happened in the first mm-hmm. place. Like, is she really the one yeah. in control of the whole thing? Um, which is a little bit deceptive. I forgive it completely because it's a great song. It's the it's fucking slaps. It's a jam. It's yeah. so good. It's so good. I've had that song stuck in my head ever mm-hmm. since. I yeah. still just hum it to myself. I'm all thinking the time. it should be my wedding song or something. Like <laughs> it's, all it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is a little bit like deceptive. Yeah. It anyway. But it does it does blow my mind that everyone was so focused on trying to figure out what the next big 
reveal was. Is it going to be a Mephisto? Is it going to be Nightmare? It's mm-hmm. like, was it going to be Magneto? Blah, blah, blah. That they were missing the show trying to actually clue you into the real mystery of the show, which is who's behind this and why are they doing it? Yeah. And it's, yeah, we 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 as fans did the show dirty. Yeah. <laughs> we we stuffed up. We yeah. played ourselves, which is a, I think we is forgot a it was Wanda's show. Yeah, and the answer is Wanda, and she's really fucking sad. Yeah, it's yeah. It, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um. Did you did you enjoy the mystery box format of it in general though? Let's just take out all the mm-hmm. talking. Let's let's focus in what the mystery actually was. Mm-hmm. The show starts and it's just a complete non sequitur. We're in the Dick Van Dyke show essentially with Wonder and Vision mm-hmm. and it just plays like a normal sitcom with just a couple of little like clues that something's not right yeah. here. Some and notes that, missed and you're like, wait a second, what sl- does that mean? Slowly mm. evolves and, until we get to episode four, which sort of blows the mystery wide open. Mm. But even then there's questions left after that, particularly once you include Pietro and stuff like that. Like yeah. all of a sudden there's more new questions. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've not necessarily been a massive fan of mystery box Shows or films or storytelling in general. It was mostly they're just fucking with you. True. And not satisfying. So, yeah, we've come, We I think, you know, back in lost days, most of us enjoyed them. And then time after time, we've been let down severely by showrunners and writers who just can't stick the landing. Well, one thing that probably helped this show is that it's it's was all done and dusted in one season. Yes. I don't th- there's Very a possibility we may get a WandaVision season 2. Which I think is how mystery boxes should be done. As in not try and stretch them out over multiple seasons yes. and have to keep trying to get ahead <laughs> of the audience. Let, now we have to think of new twists and turns that somehow fit into the original concept. Yeah. Absolutely. Um cuz there's a question that was asked by a critic that I really like in mm. Film Critic Hulk. Mm-hmm. who struggled with the show a lot. Mm. He is very – someone I admire because he is very much um, a student of, like, n- narrative, of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And he found the mystery box format just got in the way of telling what was actually an interesting story of grief and the conflict that was there and all that sort of stuff because it was trying to hide it all behind – Yeah. Um, the mystery side of it and left most of the answers up until the la- second last episode in particular and even the last episode is trying to like quick let's get give us answers to questions we've only finally gotten to in episode 8 mm. do you think this show could have been as effective if it wasn't a mystery box show and we actually went into it knowing that Wanda had created this world out of grief beforehand um well, it's hard to say I think it's possible that that could have worked I think in terms of not enjoying the mystery box nature or those who felt, you know, at the beginning and towards the midpoint, the obfus- the obfuscation that was happening, I understand why people were finding that frustrating. And I think perhaps if it had been released to binge, mm-hmm. that um, exhaustion around, well, what is the actual story probably wouldn't be present. Yeah. I think, yeah, there is a way to like, yeah, place things differently so that we do have more information early on. I didn't have a problem with it and I enjoyed the way that it was told and I also think it pays off on the rewatch. Yes. Um, which I enjoy. Which is, is that good though, that it pays off? On, that, that's like, okay, now I've got all the information, now I watch it closely. Well, it was it's paying like, off oh, for me works. as it was being released week to week. I didn't have that problem of, I don't, I can't see the story because I was like, 
well, that's the point is that I can't see the story. Sure. That's what the story is meant to be doing is that we are as lost as Wanda is, as the characters are, um, and it's slowly revealed. Like, that was kind of the point to me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a problem with it. Well, I guess the reason it works is because I was charmed enough by the sitcom stuff mm. as it was. And there were criticisms as well that it wasn't funny enough to be a sitcom. Like the actors were doing their job, but the writing was not. It wasn't really telling jokes. Mm. It was sort of just like, like it was vaguely like a sitcom at times, mm-hmm. even when it wasn't really doing the work to to do good jokes and like... Um, hit those comedic beats necessarily. If you were really writing a sitcom, you wouldn't write it the way they wrote it. Mm-hmm. But I was just really enjoying the production for what it was. Just on a surface level. I was joyful as I was watching I it. was having a good time enjoying Wonder and Vision, just yeah. going through these little basic sitcom adventures, knowing there was a mystery underneath that was going to be unraveled. That was enough for me. Mm-hmm. But I can see why if you're somebody who's here to like, have an emotional story and be invested from the get-go in the story, you're not going to enjoy that mm. side of things. Which yeah. is a shame because I think as much as I value that stuff, sometimes you need to go, well, what's the, what is the show doing and why is it doing it? Mm-hmm. Sometimes the mystery is just the fun of it. Sometimes yeah. just accept it for what it is and don't. Again, it's expectations, right? And I think right? like so the first time you watch it, it's one show. The second time you watch it, it's another show. Mm-hmm. But I like both versions of that show. Agreed, yeah. So, the first time I watched it, it was like this. Well, the first two episodes, I understand the criticism more. I've been like, what, what is this? Yes. But then like we quite quickly, I think. We had friends who were like, I don't get it. Yeah. After the first two episodes. Yeah. I was like, well, now we have more information. We understand that it is a mystery mm-hmm. and we are investigating alongside a few of the characters around what is happening. That was fun for me. So, as a mystery box, I really enjoyed it. And then on the rewatch, as a journey through Wanda trying to first get rid of or ignore her trauma and then slowly understand it, that was a great show as well. Well, let's talk about it from the mystery box point of view for a second, though. Mm-hmm. It, we like it also because it sounds like you were satisfied with the answers that you got. Yes. So, what, what were the main mysteries about this? There was, there, there was the literal whiteboard that was full of them, Yeah. right? Oh, yeah, the Twitter board, yeah. And I'll go through it. Why hexagonal shape? Yes. Why was the, the hex a hex, essentially? Mm-hmm. Did you get a satisfying answer for that? No. I mean, essentially, I, I think it is just because it's a hex. It's literally yeah. a hex is the answer, I mean, right? That wasn't one of my big questions sure. that I had. <laughs> Why sitcoms? Well, it was because that's what, that was her safe place as a child. Safe play. I was a lot of things. I think. So mm. to me, a lot of people said like, found the story of the dad being this guy who sold DVDs, and then he comes home every night and they watch them together as a family. It's literally a box just full of DVDs of Malcolm in the Middle and mm-hmm. Dick Van Dyke Show and Bewitched and stuff. Mm. A little on the nose, a little too obvious. Mm. It was like just because it was guessable, yeah, or m- like doesn't just because it's not like oh I never thought of that. Mm. Why should that be unsatisfying? Yeah, it also to me. Because emotionally, it's so resonant for her. Yeah, absolutely. And also, like, emotionally resonant for me. I know, like, every heartbreak I've been through, every kind of trauma I've experienced, if I can't hold that in my brain, the first thing I do is I put on my favorite sitcoms. And, like, my first heartbreak, I thought I couldn't breathe. I rewatched all of Parks and Rec and knit, knitted the giantest scarf in the world like that's all I could do at the time and I've done that every time since something terrible has happened so that made absolute sense to me totally I don't have the power to create my own sitcom I wish I did 
but, but it, it makes is, sense. This was That's what people do. TV escapism yes. <laughs> made literal. <laughs> yes, it was. Like that's what it comes yeah. down to. And that works because of what this character is going through mm-hmm. is tied directly into the reason that people would do that. Yep. There is, a, as you said, the connection to family. It's her safe space. Mm-hmm. It's also her, like a memory of one of the happiest times in her life yep. as a family. One of my favorite things upon rewatching it was the realization that every time they sit down the TV at the end of an episode and put it on, mm-hmm. it's because that's what her parents were doing at the yeah. end of a day. They'd come home on Friday, they'd watch sitcoms, sit down with the parents, one arm around the other, mm-hmm. watching a TV show together as a family. Yeah. Like to her, that was what she was trying to create, what she mm-hmm. wanted to have with vision. So it, it literally happens inside. The idealism that just comes with sitcoms, she talks about how, you know, these things, they're all just a dream. It didn't really happen. Nothing bad ever really happens in sitcoms. Mm-hmm. It always returns to the status quo. This isn't a show, I think she says to, because Vision asks, is that funny because of the grievous bodily harm he was under? And she's <laughs> yeah. like, well, he's not really hurt. It's not that sort of show mm-hmm. because that's not what sitcoms are like. Yes. And then, of course, the escapism of it. It's super powerful, I think. I think so. And... Extremely compelling and satisfying answer. Is Vision alive was a question on the board. Well, yes and no. Mm-hmm. I really loved the Ship of Theseus yes. moment. As I was watching it, I was like, keep up to mask, keep up, keep up to mask. <laughs> um, Have you heard that metaphor before? That, uh, no, I've, before? I'd never heard that before. So that's why I was like, keep up, you fucking idiot to mask. <laughs> um, yes. And then I've, oh, I've got a question. Yes. So White Vision shoots up into the sky yeah. to go, question mark, right? To go, who knows yeah. where. Yeah, okay, thank you. Just there's, one clarification on that. There, uh, There's a couple of things it could be. Mm-hmm. He says, I am the vision at the end, mm-hmm. suggesting that if his mission was to kill the vision, he may well, go kill that's, himself. That's, yeah, However, question. But we don't I, see him die, therefore he doesn't die, I is the rule. I think that generally, though they might leave that as an option, it's the idea and everything, everything else the show has done is to suggest that he will return as the vision. Yeah. In some form or another, whether he will be the vision that we remember and know. I mean, he won't remember this. He won't. The, what happened in Wonder Vision will not be something that a future Vision will have memory of, unless she Good somehow point, recreates yep. her him again out of the Mind Stone. She sort of reabsorbs him and brings him back out again. He will have the you would think the memories up until he had the Mind Stone ripped from his head. But mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like he's got an emotional. He doesn't have a soul yet. No, this sort of thing that he's missing. No, and whether he can build a soul somehow will be the question. Great he's got to do some living, I guess, first. Mm. Is this an alternate reality? Well, she's reshaping reality. And then finally, why switching time periods? Did we ever get a good answer for that? Well, because that's all the shit she watched as a kid. Sure, but it could just stay, the, it should just stay in the Dick Van Dyke show. It could have just stayed. Because that was her favourite. Because it was her favourite because it was the most like idyllic. As these sitcoms get further and further along, they become a bit more cynical. Particularly mm. as you get to Mark in the Middle and Modern Family eras, yeah. those are not safe sitcoms no, anymore. Not. Um, but if you stay in Bewitched and you know I Love Lucy and stuff mm-hmm. like that, generally that's you know they they their beds aren't even together at that point yet. Everything is so sanitized and manicured in particular and mm. safe. Um, so why the time periods? Do you have an answer? For that? I do have an answer. Beautiful. I could to, tell by your face that you had an answer. <laughs> to grow old in. Was the, was the whole thing. It all comes down to that. She is trying to live a complete life with vision mm-hmm. in that period. So that whole bit where he's, she's found or he's got the deed 
that he's made got the deed yeah. for the house and it's just the love heart that says right. to grow old in. Mm-hmm. It's literally what she was trying to do. Right. That's why the family happens so quickly. It's why and it all happens like yeah. this because she's trying to have a life with him as quickly as possible, basically. Um, really just to, it is really sad. But it was like, it was the one thing that people are asking. It's like, but why are they keep switching time periods except for mm. our enjoyment? Yeah. And the answer ultimately is that she was trying to mm. live. Like live fast so they could grow up. Why are you doing this to me, Bron? Why are you doing that to me? Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. It is good. Like stuff. it's it's satisfying. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, let's go back to Wanda. Okay. Oh well, actually, what else is on your list? You said you had three things you wanted to talk about. I think we've only touched on one. Oh, I was just my next one. It's just a silly comment. I was like, fridging, but make it smarter, better, more meaningful, and with greater purpose. Explain fridging. So, well, you know, like the death of your partner to then cultivate growth, really. Sure. So, obviously, it's not just she doesn't go out and is like, my pain, I'm going to go blah, blah, zap some yep. dudes. It's I'm going to sit in the pain of what fridging ultimately is of like, I'm going to kill your loved one. And she, while doesn't want to sit in it, sits in it. We actually have a beautiful discussion around grief. Mm-hmm. And what it means to move beyond outside of a toxic masculinity explosion of power, which I liked. Well, the thing about fridging was always that the trope was that was particularly the Christopher Nolan way of doing things, which is a dead wife. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. It's the woman that gets killed. And in the case of fridging, mm. literally was. Oh, Mr. Nolan, in a what's going on at home? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that wasn't Nolan's fault at that point. That yeah, was, um, I, I, can't remember, I think it was a Marvel property or maybe. Oh, I think it had to do with Ant Man. I can't remember. Anyway, that was. That was a problem there. Mm. And it became a trope because it kept yes. happening, particularly dead women mm-hmm. for the sake of motivating men. Mm. Um, whereas I, it mo- usually, as you said, it motivates them for action, yes. which is the opposite of what's happening here. Mm-hmm. This is an exploration of that feeling, not mm. using that feeling to get them to do something yes. to make the bang which bang I happen. Which I really enjoyed. I was like, well, this is the story I liked. So in a lot of ways, apart from being a love story and an origin story for Scarlet Witch, it is really examining the idea of grief and maybe in particular, like female grief. Mm. How did you feel about how that was explored in this show? And maybe, I know we said we weren't going to talk about Game of Thrones, but I think an example of like a similarly powerful woman in TV that has had to deal with shit and sort of their reaction to the trauma in their lives compared to like Danny in Game of Thrones, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Like why or was Cersei. this... M- or Cersei. Mm. Um, Danny is the one that stands out to me that was like powerful, innocent, you know, didn't necessarily... Whereas Cersei we met and she was already villainous. She was a cunt, yeah. Yeah. Um, grew up, you know, I suppose Danny had privilege too, but no, she was on the run in a lot of ways as well. She was told she was entitled mm. to this power, but um, she was always sort of still low on... She was so as a under sex the boot. life, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. And then building from that, mm-hmm. like, why was this more successful than maybe Danny's story was, particularly as they reached the height of their powers, they both doing their stories? Well, I think in terms of Danny's stories, her grief is to propel her to accumulate more power so then she can, instead of being dominate, dominated, dominate others. Sure. That's not what this story is doing. Yeah. It is about understanding the importance of family, which I think Wanda has always done, which is why it hurts so deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, the need to feel connection with that family and who are you, particularly as a woman, though I don't, 
I mean, framing it as female grief, I don't even know what that means. Sure. Um, I, I, I think the reason that that phrase has come up, and I've said it because I've stolen it from people like Jenna Robinson and stuff, is because <laughs> when it's happened mostly on television, mm. it tends to be come out as hysteria. Right? Gotcha. So, okay. like, the reason I bring up Danny is because she ultimately goes insane. She goes crazy. Yeah. Right. And they have to put her down at the end. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. Um, as opposed to really looking at this as like she has had this huge reaction that is mm. harming others. Yeah. But looking at it with yeah. some empathy. Well, that's a thing I think. Yeah, that's a great point by others. Um, the Yeah, this irrational, it, what is seen or viewed or portrayed as an irrational response to trauma. But when you actually look at it, like I said, through an empathetic lens, it's not irrational at all to experience grief and then act through pain, Mm -hmm. act in pain, Um, want to inflict pain on others or to find solitude or to want to be able to control the world around you when you've been told time and shown time and time again that it is uncontrollable. Um, Yeah, so it is looking through like, well, what would you do? Of course this is with that – magnitude of power to isolate and just want like a warm hug mm-hmm. and some time alone denial you might call it first stage of grief i wouldn't call it denial ever um yeah i yeah it is a beautiful empathetically told story yeah i guess about a woman's grief and yeah i Yes, I suppose it is rare for that story to be told. Yes. I didn't look at it through lady stories. Um, well, but I think the it's whole an, show is but written I think by it's important. a woman as well, yeah, which is yeah. interesting. I think it's good to show that without it being, you know, all the women standing in a line going, girl power. Definitely. Which I appreciate. Which yeah. has actually been a problem that Marvel have had. Yes, my least favorite moment in Infinity in uh, Endgame is mm-hmm. one where they try to manufacture a female empowerment moment that just does not work. Doesn't make any sense. Whereas this, we get nine Captain episodes. Marvel doesn't need your help, but whatever, go on. <laughs> Which is where we've got nine episodes to mm. really explore this with some depth and empathy and mm-hmm. let Elizabeth Olsen just chew the thing to bits. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing in this, but also, also surrounded by. Catherine Hahn mm-hmm. and um, the Monica Rambeau character mm-hmm. and like there are, you know, female characters are dominate this. Vision is mm-hmm. the, not the only, but the most significant male character and he's mm-hmm. definitely second fiddle. Yeah. Um, which is cool. And it's nice to think that maybe that's starting to happen with Marvel as well. Yeah. Is they're starting to, like we've had Captain it's, Marvel. Yeah. We've got this, we've got genuine, a Black Widow movie Genuine stories soon. are not contrived ones in order to jump on a bandwagon. Exactly. Yeah, which is, yeah. I Actually give it its due. Mm. Uh, on, was it, so there was something else, I think, on there that you wanted oh, to talk it's about? It's just something I've mentioned earlier in which, I, you know, every time I've dealt with a trauma on Ghost of oh, Sitcoms, right. yeah. Uh, How do you feel about the line, what is grief if not love persevering in the flashback episode? Can I say, I thought it was beautiful, made sense, really helpful for Wanda. Did it need fucking discourse like the types that was going on on Twitter and then the a million fucking articles that were written about it? No. It absolutely fucking did not. Well, I thought it was a good line. Sure. It was beautiful for the moment, made sense for the characters, really poignant. I mean, the need to compare... 
MCU with all of filmmaking <laughs> is so fucking stupid. I just I don't even want to talk about well, it, but go on, that is, that is No, no, that is something I actually do want to talk about, though, is that I think sometimes people can feel like there are certain things that pop culture is not allowed to do or mm-hmm. you poke fun of it when it tries to do things, right? Yeah. Which I find a little bit frustrating because surely pop culture has as much right to talk about grief or have, you know, think about it and muse on mm-hmm. this stuff as any other format just because it might not hit you the right way. Doesn't mean mm. it's not effective for somebody else. And this whole like gatekeeping idea that like, oh, how, you know, this is just a stupid superhero film. And like, these are the stories that people give a shit about. Mm. If it allows access for somebody to find something in that single line that maybe you think is a little bit cheesy or whatever, yeah. like go fuck yourself. Like why what, do we have to be so elitist about that sort of stuff? What is also bizarre to me is like people going, you know, MCU, Marvel trying to be more than it is. It's just military propaganda which I don't necessarily disagree with, but if MCU wants to do something that isn't military propaganda, it also gets shit on. Yeah, It's yeah. like, well, what the fuck do you want? Yeah, I find that um, I'm seeing a few people that I really respect as well, actually, who keep coming back to Marvel and saying, or some creators or situations in general and only focusing on its worst traits all the time, never yeah. on the positive stuff that's mm-hmm. there. Um, and like, yeah, Marvel has a problem with its villains. Marvel's had a problem with female characters at different times, all this sort of stuff. But when it's trying to actually amend that or make positive changes or say mm-hmm. something profound in whatever way it can, yeah, this whole it shouldn't be invalidated just because it hasn't always been yeah. good at it. Marvel has also done a lot to discuss what living in constant warfare does to the fucking psyche for many of its characters, what it means to live this kind of ego-driven, you know, toxic masculinity-based fucking bullshit life, what does that do to someone's mental health? Like, it's doing a lot, and I don't mind people critiquing it. There's plenty to fucking critique, like you said. But it's just feels like a lot of time punching down at something because it's not doing what you want it to do or what you think is cool or smart enough or Whatever. You could argue it's punching up because it's the most successful film franchise in the world. But they're choosing the easiest things that, like, I I don't think they're well-rounded arguments. I feel like it's punching down the audience because they feel the audience is not sophisticated because they enjoy it. It's like, well, if you got that, that that wasn't actually there. That was this part later just completely, you know, undid that bit or whatever. It's like, yeah, I understand that. Like, this is this is ultimately blockbuster entertainment yeah. or on it is undoubtedly that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that all it is or all it can be. Mm-hmm. Or as some other people have pointed out, like, things that we now hold as being empirically, like, beautiful or high art mm. started out as entertainment for the masses. Shakespeare is the best example of that. Like... The music that now we now call classical music, the symphonies that we used to listen to, was music for the masses. These things only over time. I'm not saying that Marvel's going to become Shakespeare. No, I think he. But it doesn't mean that heard without it here first, guys. But it doesn't mean that without value, just because yes, it's made to appeal to everybody to some mm-hmm. degree, or to appeal to a broad audience. That doesn't always go the most challenging route with these things, and like. I, I did find that mm. disappointing that that was, the re- that, that was yeah. such a visceral reaction to that one line. Yeah, it's just like, you know, the Beatles started off with, you know, pop rock, if you will. I mean, the Beatles are. And then I'm not like you, not calling them the fucking Beatles, but you know what I mean? But then they had room to develop and become something else. I mean, they're still, they're still a pop band. 
Yes, but the music work. they did grew sure. and developed. That's a good point. And yeah. has like a huge a range of things. So you can enjoy obviously the original like the first stuff or the stuff that comes later. You can do whatever the fuck you want, but it's not all like monochromatic, like just one bland fucking thing. There's different stuff there. And WandaVision is doing something different. And I liked it. How much do you think Wanda was genuinely aware of what was happening? How, what was your reading ultimately? Was she really unaware that she was in control to begin with and that she just figured it out over time? Or was it more of a willful ignorance that she was trying to I think ignore? willful ignorance is probably, yeah, a great term for it. I think she didn't believe herself to have that power. Mm-hmm. Um, as it was brought to her attention more and more, she kind of was having realisations but perhaps not allowing them to really sink in. Definitely. Um, and we certainly have early moments. I think it's in the first episode when Mr. Hart is choking and Mrs. Hart is looking at her, asking her to stop it or pleading with her to stop it. And she turns to Vision and tells him. I mean, that's a sign that perhaps she is aware that she can help in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, the depth of which she knows in what way she's requesting Vision to help is unclear. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think there's arguments on both sides as to whether, like, how aware she is. I think she is subconsciously aware that subconsciously aware that doesn't make any sense. No, that, I think but, I think that is I think that's what it, I think that's what the show is saying yeah. ultimately, right? And the thing is, is when it so what the probably the hardest scene to figure this out, right, mm. is what the show wants you to think about how aware Wanda is, yes. which is important when we talk about the ending in a second. Mm-hmm. Is when she comes, so they bring the second drone in, the one that's of the same year. I think it's the eighty or the eighties. And so it doesn't change. They shoot Mm, the missile at her mm -hmm. and she comes out and throws him back the drone, right? And it's the first time Wanda has left. She's got her accent back. Mm -hmm. She's like, it's a a very cool moment because you're like- Love that scene. Fuck you, Hayward. It's such a great scene. (laughs) However, she walks out and tells everyone to piss off. Yeah. So she's very aware of her power at that point. Mm -hmm. She is explicitly aware. She is not. She knows that- they took Vision away from her. She doesn't want that to happen again. She yep. rem- clearly remembers that. She hasn't blocked that out. Nope. She knows that she's created it. She yeah. knows she's in control. Mm-hmm. Monica says, the reason you let me into your mm-hmm. into the to the bubble yep. and more importantly into your home is because on some level you knew I was there to help you. Yes. So there is that subconscious awareness. Mm-hmm. But ultimately she's also consciously aware because she's walked out mm-hmm. so the question then becomes and there's multiple moments where this goes back and forth i made a long list of like this was in wanda's favor this is against wanda in terms Ooh, of how, how explicit she was Love i'm, a not, list. I'm go not gonna go it. through it but it literally oh. goes back and forth can and you send back it to me <laughs> I, I certainly could it's a long list Wonderful. like yeah because we have like like you said subconsciously she knows monica is an ally mm-hmm. but then also the moment where monica reaches out with some truths, yeah. she's not ready to hear it. Yes. So she knows she needs help, but she's, but she's not, not ready to accept it She doesn't it want it. Exactly yeah. right. So... Uh, been there, girlfriend. <laughs> how responsible is Wanda ultimately? She didn't do this on purpose. Mm-hmm. I think it's like we know that the exact event didn't happen on purpose. Mm-hmm. It seemed to have just expelled out of her in a moment of grief. Mm-hmm. But she still did it. Yes. 
how responsible is Wanda for the pain and mm-hmm. the trauma she has caused yeah. to all these other people around her? I mean, I you have to liken it to because I think it is obviously just in the superhero world, it's larger magnitude of like what's going on. But anyone in like a serious mental health crisis, sure, who perhaps does something that harms other people when they're not totally aware, that doesn't mean then when they become aware or certainly well after once they've received the help they need and are fully conscious um, and in control again, that they shouldn't feel remorse or pay some kind of consequence because of that, that should happen. So I think she is responsible, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, And because of her growing awareness, some serious contrition, remorse, all that stuff needs to take place. So the line that gets used, I think, to try and Mm. justify why we should let Wanda off the hook, at least to some degree, Mm. is the difference between you and me is that you did this on purpose. Mm -hmm. And then she's talking to Agatha. Agatha is deliberately, you Mm. know, causing pain. Is that enough to justify the difference between her and Agatha, do you think? Um, I think there's a difference between... Agatha has malicious intent... Whereas well, I don't think Wanda fully knew the effect she was having on those around her in such a negative way. So there is a difference between them, but they are both doing something wrong. Yeah, I think, I guess the justification I have is that Wanda truly believed when you, I, I think what the show does is when she gets to Westview, Westview is a shithole. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And everyone she observes in the 10 seconds she's observing them seems to be pretty miserable and struggling. I mean, it didn't seem that bad. They just had some, they needed a, a street sweeper. That's as bad as I saw it. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> visually, this is what the show is trying to tell us. And I yeah. think in her mind, and they, she keeps saying this to them as well. It's like, no, you're at peace. Yeah. You know, all these things. She's tried to, she You've thinks got the that. the jobs by, you want, blah, blah, blah. That by yeah. making, and she has that conversation with Pietro where she's mm. like, really, did I do a good job? And he's like, and it's really Agatha saying, yeah, that's impressive that you're able to mm. do this. Like, you did about as well as anyone could do. That she was in some way actually helping them. She had justified this in her mind. Yeah. She wasn't she had deliberately. Yeah. Her yeah. Actions, she had yeah. rationaled it to some degree. Yeah. So she really thought she was helping them on some level. Well, she just had justified to herself because she's like, well, I'm not hurting them. I'm not hurting anyone. I think anyone. she actively thought, I think to some degree she figured that she was actually even helping them. She well, was she's bettering, not helping the kids. So I well, don't know. Well, the kids just slept. The kids didn't do anything. Not a great childhood. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> was Wanda, did Wanda face enough consequences for what happened? No, of course not. And there was a line that Monica says to her. She's like, oh, they'll never know what, what you sacrifice for them. them. And I was like, I hate that She's line. tortured people for however long it's been. Um, I, I don't think they give a fuck <laughs> whether you told them or not. Um, yes. I mean. That, that line is like the most problematic point of, yeah. the, of the ending for me in that it really feels like they're giving Wanda a bit of a pass. Yeah. You say goodbye to your already dead husband. And yes, you had to give up your kids. But that was your creation. Out of the same event that you've tortured yeah. people with. Yeah. It, yeah. That I understood that she was trying to 
because she understands grief and blah, 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 all that stuff. But yeah, yeah it just felt, yeah, didn't, yeah, it didn't resonate with me, that line, that's sure. It, it also just made me kind of like Monica a bit less. It's like, why, why are you giving her that free pass? The only, the only way I can kind of justify it is that when Wanda goes, like, I don't understand this power, but I will. Monica says, like, she has all these concerns, like, oh, you should be, like, the cops show up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then she pieces off. And there's a part of me that's like, I think Monica's a little upset that she just left. Like, yeah. <laughs> like she was trying to be kind to her, but it yeah. didn't mean, didn't you mean can go. go. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to say no to you because yeah. you're also. Because I can't. Because yeah. <laughs> I can't. I was like, I, I, I hope Monica actually is, up, like, not happy with the result of that conversation. Because it does feel like one is sort of just flying away from these people, yeah, and not she's facing running away, yeah, which is like has Wanda grown even by the end of this series. In fact, I would argue she hasn't. Mm. She gets her goodbye, that's lovely, but she also has this moment where it sounds like she really believes she's going to see Vision again. Mm-hmm. Like they've decided that they listen. He keeps finding a way to come back. He just died yeah. three times. Why not? A, you know, come back for a fourth time. That that she will get her dead husband back one day, and even the very final image is her hearing her kids, and mm-hmm. she might get them back too. It's like, did she sacrifice anything, or did she just push them further down the road? Yeah, that's she, a worry. Yeah, I think she pushed them further down the road, and she's like, "This is not a way for me to do it." But I'm going to find another way. I mean, that yeah. to me is possibly the most interesting part of but this. wouldn't you if you were all powerful? <laughs> well, true. Which what? is why I think Scarlet Witch has potential to be one of our most fascinating heroes moving forward. Or villains. Or villains, yeah. It is. I'm very interested. It is kind of the bit that excites me. Yeah. Because also the thing that happens is that she punishes Agatha in exactly the way she's been criticised mm-hmm. for treating the situation. Yeah. Agatha says to her, heroes don't torture people. And yeah. she's explicitly torturing Agatha. She calls her, her cruel, punishment. yeah. Yeah, you're not sorry, you're cruel. Yeah. And that is true. Mm-hmm. She is being cruel. So, it's not a, it's not necessarily a hero origin story here. No. Which I like. Which is very <laughs> interesting going forward. Because I do have a lot of empathy for Wanda, but fuck, she's making some bad, mm-hmm. bad choices along the way. Uh, yeah, do I don't wa- like necessarily like Wanda as a person at the end of this, but I really like her as a character. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, how do you feel about Agnes as a or Agatha as a villain mm-hmm. in this season? Um, I really liked Agatha. Ultimately, the the final battle, I was like, Meh, all right. I wanted a bit more witchy pooness than um, shooting light at each other, but that's okay. But I enjoyed the manipulation. I particularly enjoyed it on the rewatch. Yeah. Showing all of her, the steps that she had taken, her As considering I, like, out and learning watch- yeah. more about Wanda. I was like, okay, because the first time I watched it, I was like, well, if Catherine Hahn is the big bad or certainly a part of what is going on, um, I thought she had more control mm-hmm. than she did. But really it was just kind of an information gathering mission for her for a lot of it with... She was really just trying to keep throwing a spanner in the works at every opportunity just to see what Wanda would do. Yeah, the test. Yeah, absolutely. Just keep like, literally, if you look at the first episode, she 
puts her off track as what the anniversary is going to be, which mm-hmm. is going to create a, a tension because Hi-jinx. the hearts thing was going to hijacks, yeah. right? She gives her the most complicated meals ever to cook. <laughs> yes, she does. Yeah. I love that she joke at the end with the door knocker. Shows anyway. up with the pineapple. Yeah. Yeah. The next episode, she's throwing red herring. She's trying to say, if things are going wrong, it's not me, it's Dottie. Mm-hmm. On one end, and then the whole bit with the rabbit, I still don't think was like that she was messing up. Unless she put the she like the gum, the gum was somehow her mm. that she'd enchanted yeah. herb to give That's him. That's what the I gum, assumed. Which but... I have to assume. I think any stage you think was she a part of it? Yeah. The answer is probably yes. Yeah. A witch did it. The witch was Agatha. If it's the sitcom hijinks, I just assumed it was Agatha kind of doing that. Um, so I really, I thought she was great. I really want to see her in the future. Obviously, I think I think we will. Yeah, I almost wonder whether they had a um a couple of different cuts on how this show might mm. end. Mm. One of them where after Wanda takes her power back, she's just like a burnt out husk on the ground. She's dead, mm. and one where they're like, "We'll keep you in the pocket in case people like you." And mm. when they realize that everyone fucking loved Catherine Hahn that yeah. role, they're like, "Yep, that one. Mm-hmm. We'll have you back later on." Yeah, and she can fulfill her role as being like in the comics, Ag- Ag- the, mentor is the, the mentor and the teacher. Yeah. yeah, that's what I really want. I was really hoping that, yeah, they would ride off into the sunset together, teacher, student, best friends, maybe lovers, <laughs> who knows? But that's that's what I was hoping for because I think they could have some cool evil adventures together. Yeah, it might still happen. I could. Yes, that's I that's what I want. Could imagine that. Uh, what about Vision in this? He is really the second string of the show. However, he's in a weird position because he doesn't have any memories of previous mm. before this. Wanda has all the agency here. Um, and he is his whole thing is just like who the fuck am I and what's going on? Yeah. Um, would you find that particularly compelling? Not necessarily that aspect. Mm. What I did enjoy is getting to know Vision, or at least how Wanda saw Vision, yeah. watching the relationship play out. That I mean, that added an emotional weight, and it makes me excited to see Vision in the future. Um, in whatever capacity is decided because I've grown fond of him mm-hmm. in a way that I certainly wasn't before. Yeah, it's I, I, I that is the, the main thing they did here, as I said in my review. They made me care about Wanda and Vision in ways I haven't before. Yes. Funny thing is this version of Wanda, this version of Vision theoretically does not exist anymore after no. this. But if it's an echo of what he was like, he was, I care about was, him. Yeah. Even the scene like getting that scene in the flashback episode of, him and Wanda back at the Avengers compound, mm-hmm. really starting to understand why they connected the way they did. Yes. Um, both being sort of loners who didn't have other people, it makes sense they would connect to each other. Mm-hmm. His naivete versus her, she's seen way too much of the dark side mm-hmm. of the world. Those sort of two opposites attracting, I thought were really good. I really love the way Paul Bettany plays Vision with a sort of naivete, just... That's and that's been there since the the first mm-hmm. um, film he was in as well. Um, I really enjoyed him though. Just by the middle of the season, when he is just so frustrated, yes, with not understanding what's going on, with with Wanda keeping secrets from him and him just having no understanding yeah. of why. And yeah, I love trying that- to play along with that, like kind of underlying resentment you can see build up of like being lied to or being dismissed. Yeah, there are moments of that. I was like, oh, that's good. That fight in episode five Mm. where he was just like, don't, you know, the credits are rolling and stuff like that. It's just like, just tell me what's going on. Um, And so that last line where he, she turns the light on, he turns it back on. And he's like, I heard it was bad luck to say goodbye in the dark or whatever. And he's like, no, you Mm. didn't. 
And he's like, perhaps I just wanted to see you clearly and there you are. I thought it was such a beautiful way of explaining like how he's found some peace in mm-hmm. this moment now that he finally understands who he is, mm-hmm. who she is, why he exists the way he does and what's mm-hmm. going on. Do you know what this actually, this whole show reminds me of on in retrospect? It's Dawson's like, Creek, me too, <laughs> Noah. No, I was going to say it's sort of like a really long version of a couple of Doctor Who episodes mixed together. Mm. This is the, to give away Doctor Who spoilers for a second, do you know the episode uh, where he's John Smith, he's pretending to be this teacher and he's like, he's taken on a different persona. It's like that Mm. in that he's like hidden away in this idyllic life that he has to give up at the end to go back to being the Doctor. But also it's got a little bit of shades of Science in the Library, which is the one where Donna is in that fake reality and she gets very attached to her kids in that who Mm -hmm. aren't fucking real. Mm -hmm. Um, And she has this like heartbreaking life she has to give up at the end. Yeah, (laughs) It's just, it's those, um, but told, you know, an even grander form, I think. Uh, Monica, what about her? I think she was so important to this story. I didn't expect myself to like her as much as I did. I thought, I'm invested in wonder and vision. I'm really enjoying being in the show. If Mm -hmm. you take me out, I won't like you. But I did. You could see, I think it helps, obviously, because we know that character, obviously, as a child. Little baby girl. Um, So we have that connection, that context for her, which is really helpful. And also we have the flashback of when she first reappears as well, which that creates is an emotional connection as One well, which is really important. Oh, to episode four. Very exciting. I was like, oh, fuck, mayhem. And just in terms Confusion. of like Ugh. the yeah. way we want this show to connect back to the movies, I yeah. just keep, I love the fact that we're, it doesn't feel like we're done talking about the effects of the snap. Yes. Which I'm really glad. Because which we shouldn't, yeah. We this should This should be an ongoing problem because yeah. like- I, it informs a lot of Haywood as well, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, yeah, so that extra bit of context to who this character was, if it was just a random sword agent, mm. I think it would have been a real struggle for me to care that much about this agent who feels like she's got a connection to Wanda sure. through grief. Knowing Monica, knowing her mum, knowing that she has an affinity for super-powered people mm-hmm. and feels like she has a deeper understanding of them was so helpful in connecting a lot of the parts of the story. Um, and I'm excited because she's got powers now. Well, on some level, the bit that's like it was exciting but then disappointing because it didn't play out better in the show itself is it does feel like she's just sort of like an agent for what happens next. This was mm-hmm. a backdoor pilot almost yes. for what eventually will be the Monica Ram- Rambeau show, which will probably be either Secret Invasion mm-hmm. or more than likely Captain Marvel 2. In fact, I think she's announced to be in Captain Marvel yeah. 2. But it's like they have that great connection where they have mm-hmm. that grief and her understanding of that. Mm-hmm. But then it just doesn't really evolve into being important to the way the show concludes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not she didn't need to be there for anything to have changed. Yeah. Which is a shame because it means that it doesn't ultimately matter to the show. It just matters for whatever happens after the show. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm going to have to get used to with Marvel yeah. TV shows. I'm already used to it. In the Guess I'm used to it in the film, so I should be used to it too. Mm. But it, it can be a bit of a weakness, particularly when we had, a whole episode was dedicated to her. And then for her not to play a bigger role in the finale, so it seems like, oh, episode four was really just getting me to something later. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, sure. Yeah, I can understand that criticism. Uh, yeah, what do you think about Haywood as a villain? What an asshole. I mean, <sighs> he's 
like kind of villain that I am very familiar with that militaristic asshole who doesn't actually understand the nuance of the situation so feels the need to go in all guns blazing and fucks everything up mm-hmm. um didn't find him particularly interesting no he's not super compelling as a villain but i think he does his job in the show fine because he's not the main villain no but he has enough to like push the story forward we need to particularly in terms of he was desperately involved in or d- deeply involved in the trauma that immediately leads up to yes. Wanda creating the hex. Mm-hmm. In that he was literally trying to goad her into bring Vision back to life. Yes. And what a cunt he was about yes, that. Yes, he was. Um, I also think the show did a really good job of telling us that Haywood shouldn't have even been in the position he was in. Yes. There's a conversation he has with Monica in episode four where he's like, I was the only one left. And she's like, I didn't want to say it, but yeah, you're." <laughs> she kind of says he's insufficient for this job. Mm-hmm. Um, another consequence of the snap, right? Of the, like, what other parts of the military and the government, all sorts of things all over the world. Filled with people who, filled with people shouldn't, who shouldn't be there yeah. just by nature of having to fill the holes left by 50% of the population disappearing. Mm-hmm. And I did like him talking about, it's like, you don't understand what we had to do. You mm-hmm. just... You just didn't exist for five years and came back and nothing changed for you. She walks back into her job yeah. because she was doing that job two days earlier in yeah. her mind. And she has none of the trauma of those five years. And people who did live through that are going to have mm-hmm. a different view on the world than a lot of others. Um, yeah, I, th- I, I, can't, I think there was enough there for him to, f- to fulfill his role in the storyline and not just be military man who does yeah. military stuff. Yeah. He... It wasn't insightful. It wasn't well, but it wasn't mm. about him ultimately. Mm. There was I mean, I think it's the that. same for Monica. Sure. She served the role, um, but yeah, ultimately it wasn't about her. But hopefully we get to see more of her. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. I've got a bunch of different side notes. Mm-hmm. Um, starting with like remaining questions. Okay. Fun. Yeah. Um, I don't want to talk about the ads that were in the sitcom-centric episodes too much because I think mm-hmm. they've been talked ad nauseum. Yes. And for the most part, they're just sort of talking about major events in Wanda's mm-hmm. life is what they're talking yeah. about. With the exception... Flashbacks without flashbacks. Basically. Yeah. With the exception of the last one, which I think is... that is the depression one? The Nexus yeah. medication one, which doesn't really play out. It's a very specific word and I think is maybe actually a look forward mm-hmm. in Wanda's life. Um, it does talk about the idea of being centered of, the, of your reality or whatever, mm. but it says you're not. But are you? But are yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. The the term nexus though, specifically, like if they they could have chosen any other word, mm. because every every name of a product was important to relate to something. It wasn't just yeah. the quote; it was the name. Yes. A nexus is not a word we've known. Yo, magic, and the idea of the shark eating the magic or the like the kid needing the magic, whatever, that's Agatha in my mm-hmm. mind. Everything before that is a previous... Lagos was the, um, explosion. the explosion in yeah. Civil War. Back and back we go. Yeah. They're all things we know about. Nexus is not a term we've heard before. Mm. And it explicitly implies the multiverse, of which I think that is talking about Doctor Strange. Yeah. And the multiverse of madness, which mm-hmm. apparently Scarlet Witch is going to be in. So that was a look forward. Yes. An answer we didn't get though... Mm-hmm. Who were the two people in the ad? Were they just two Westview town folk? 
Great question. Early um, on, I don't we, know. We theorize they might have been Wanda's parents, but that does not appear to be the case mm-hmm. based on what we saw. We didn't see these people in like the town square at the end of the show. They didn't have to be there, obviously, but mm. that would have given us a definitive answer. We just didn't really ever find out who they were. I mean, I hope there's something cool. I, think I, I hope they're not just a Westview thing because I feel like we would have seen them in the townsfolk at the end. The right? thing is, everybody ultimately was a Westview thing with the exception of Agatha. Mm-hmm. Even Peter was, or Pietro, was a Westview person. Yes. Um, so it stands to reason they were too and we just never saw them. They might have been filmed at a different time. You never saw a shark in Westview, did you? So checkmate, what buddy. Happened to the beekeeper shield agent who came through in episode dead. two. And just, is he dead? <laughs> Did she kill him? I assumed that she zoomed him out, but I don't know. Well, we never when saw. When she says no or whatever. Sure, but like we saw what happened to Monica. We did mm. not see anything like that. We had no indication that happened in the. All right, then Brody's four. dead. He might be dead. <laughs> uh, who was the person that Jimmy Woo was trying to get in contact with his witness protection agent inside? And does it matter at all? The whole um, reason they're investigating I hope Westview, it's Boner. I wonder if it's Boner as yeah. well. Because there's a few reasons for that. Mm. A, it's implied that he's an actor, but it doesn't necessarily need to be an actor. He might be might have something to do with like his witness protection identity or something like mm-hmm. that. That's why they had that that uh, image that they did, the, the headshot. Do they do that for witness protection? Like I'm just wondering headshot? whether it's like it, there might be some sort of document that was left behind by somebody right. else to mm-hmm. like identify this guy or whatever. But also him living in that house by himself seems like a weird it's, it's a weird age the weird wrong sort of person he's got his yeah. man cave but he doesn't actually have like a, other although the man cave thing was part of the false to, reality at the time yeah yeah maybe it still seems weird that he this single guy because he doesn't have anybody else living mm. there that we're aware of is living in a big house like that in the suburbs by himself especially if he's an actor why would you live in Westview so what you're saying is he is in witness protection from another universe <laughs> and he is Quicksilver is that what I'm hearing? That's I'm what I'm hearing, bro. Saying there's and if a they door don't open. do that, I'm going to complain on Twitter. Uh, they never ex- really explained how Vision can temporarily stop Wanda's mind control on people. Mm-hmm. My guess is that it's just because he's part Mindstone. He's a part of the Mindstone from Wanda, and that's why he is essentially her. That power. was my assumption, yeah. Or but I Ag- didn't think more in it. Agnes may just have allowed him to do it as well, because when she is taking people out of Wanda's <laughs> control. In the last episode, it looks exactly the same. It's that mm. same sort of yellowy glow that yeah, comes over them. Right. Um, thanks for choosing me to be your mum. What did you feel about that specific line as she's sort of saying goodbye to the boys? She leaves them in the room to disappear into nothingness as the wave comes in. It's very sad. I don't actually want to think about it. But I would assume because of readings that I've done, not because I'm super cool, um, that she feels like she has sought them out from somewhere else and that a decision was made for that to happen and it's also outside of herself. And then obviously we hear them calling at the end. Um, so I think it's they are not simply random matter that she has manipulated like the rest, that there is a consciousness that she has brought forward. Yeah, now that's an interesting thought as well is that we know she can create people because she created Vision, was the only mm-hmm. person she actually created though. Yeah. Um. So therefore, where'd the boys come from? Mm. They're not a memory of anybody. They're not 
don't we don't think they've got Mind Stone in here, but they've got her powers, so maybe it's something like what Vision created. But mm. there is the possibility that yeah, she has just like plucked them from an alternate reality somehow um, to create them. Mm. I don't mind that theory, and that would explain why we hear their voices at the end. Otherwise, like maybe there's something about once you create people, you can't really destroy them; they just sort of get repurposed somewhere else in the multiverse. I don't know. I'm looking forward to the explanation of that, but that yes, is interesting. Some meta details that I really liked. I really love they got Kitty from this '70s show, Deborah mm-hmm. Jo Rupp, yep. a sitcom, an actor from a sitcom that was out of its time to be in a show about sitcoms that are out of their time. I thought that was very cute. And she's also great at playing that suburban mum Absolutely, we all recognise from sitcoms. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, there's that line in episode six, I think it is, when Fiatro is going around during the Halloween stuff mm-hmm. and he, I think uh, Tommy says something about kick-ass or he says kick-ass and then Wanda says Wanda kick-ass. Just says kick-ass. Yeah. And we all thought it was a reference to the fact that They were Evan both Peters, in kick-ass, yeah. Apparently that was a complete accident. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, I always thought it was a reference. Okay. It was uh, That's like, funny. It's, it's now a reference yeah. by nature of it being everyone staying it that way. I thought it was very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Tommy stealing the military guy's hat and wearing it at the very end of the of thing mm. is a very specific nod to Fox's yeah. Quicksilver. Yes, they knew what they were fucking doing. Yeah. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. Don't uh, hate it. <laughs> the, I love sort of like the word and letter play that was going on here. None of this is particularly like amazing but the more i think about the more the more clever i think now with the naming conventions one division westview wvwv westview is one word has tv right in the middle of it the t and the v so mm-hmm. together is tv i also think just the idea of like western viewing is like what mm. she's from eastern europe and she was watching western I did sitcoms i think i was drunk after watching an episode i was like westview is that something in terms of like, because I thought like yeah. American TV. She's from Eastern Europe. What is it all? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. like she's. It's specifically American ideals mm. in this sitcom as well yeah. as Western viewing. Also, just the idea of like the Wicked Witch of the West as well, mm. of which I love that reference in the last episode with the boots mm-hmm. under the car as well. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's pretty. Uh, I like that. That's you got cute. that reference. I got that reference, mm-hmm. which we discovered the other day is like a meta joke in of mm-hmm. itself because that Captain America line is specifically about the Wizard of Oz and flying monkeys. Holy fucking shit. I love that. That accent really comes and goes, doesn't it? Meta stuff like that. Yeah. I quite enjoyed. Cool little details. Um, Agatha all along. Mm-hmm. That is... Uh, inspired by the Munsters. If you go and check out the Munsters ah. theme song, it's got a very similar okay. like vibe to it. Cool. Did really enjoy that. Um, the heart on the calendar in the first episode. Is the same in the note? It's the same in the mm. note. I noticed that on the third viewing. I was like, oh. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. When we're introduced to Jimmy Woo, mm-hmm. play by Randall Park, he does this little like card trick where he like his card, his business card appears out of nowhere. Mm. That's a direct reference Back to Ant Man and the Wasp. Haven't seen it. In Sorry. which I think it's Ant Man and the Wasp or Ant Man, one of them. Mm-hmm. And he asks Paul Rudd's character how to do that, and you see him practicing that trick in the movie. And now oh, he's finally okay. got it right by the time we get to One Division, which is oh, cool. That's nice. But it's also growth. like how love that growth. I love that too. How it plays into him, like he gets out of handcuffs because he's obviously interested in like mm-hmm. magic, you know, magic and yeah. um, sleight of hand stuff. Flourish. Mm-hmm. Um, the lyrics of the songs that were used were often very insightful as well in like the opening yes, tiles yeah. and stuff like that. We're making it up because we got love mm-hmm. is one of the lines in the episode five one, which I love because the whole world is being made up because they got that love. That was my favorite opening. 
that one. I was going to ask you that question. Mm. What was your favorite and least favorite opening? Mine, my favorite opening is also episode five, the Family Ties one. Yeah, especially the Baby Vision stuff. Mm-hmm. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's, I every time I watch it, I laugh out loud. <laughs> laugh it's so out absurd. Loud. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my least favorite. You I'll tell, tell you my yours. least favorite. Yeah. My least favorite is the Bewitched one, episode two, because mm-hmm. I think it's the one that is the furthest from actually invoking the song in the sense that all the songs are really good mm. and most of them are so good as they could even be real counterparts to real mm-hmm. shows. The Bewitched theme and the WandaVision theme don't compare to me. If that makes sense. Yeah. The animation also, while it is evocative of the Bewitch style, because it's obviously done in like flash animation or digitally, doesn't look to me to be authentic as to the Bewitch style. Yeah. That's me being ridiculously picky for an incredible amount of work for one episode and they all are great, but that's my least favourite one. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> Do you think maybe, a okay, maybe I will choose... It's one of my favourite shows, but I'm going to do... The happy endings one. Sure. That's the most like basic. Um, and also because there was no happy endings in, in, the, show. in oh, the show. They didn't really have any happy endings. No, like. it was Modern Family. Well, yeah. I, I th- With like a splash of Arrested Development. My guess is... Mm. There's a bit of Arrested Development in there. Mm. They were going for The Office with the theme. Yeah, with a song. With yeah. the song. I think the opening tiles is probably what it is because the Russo brothers were so heavily involved mm. in that as well. Yeah. And obviously they directed four of these movies now, including the last two Avengers films. Yeah. So it's probably more of a nod to the Russo brothers than anything else. Mm. But yeah. I mean, but that's my only <laughs> justification yep. for that. I hadn't really thought about it yet. Why are there no other children in Westview? Asks Vision in episode five. Episode six, fucking kids everywhere. Yeah. I love the way she overcompensated yeah. for that. Halloween special. <laughs> Halloween special. Mm-hmm. Oh, kids running around everywhere. Yeah. Uh, if you listen to the previously ons at the start of each episode, right, mm-hmm. and it, that you hear Wanda say previously on, WandaVision, yeah. every one of them is less enthusiastic than the one that came before. Oh, really? So you watch her actually go from the idyllic 50s all the way up to like the Sneakle 2000s. Mm. Um, but it also could be just like tracking her deteriorating Yeah, the depression psyche. is reaching the surface, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. The de-aged Catherine Hahn at the start of episode eight wasn't necessary, but was pretty well done, I thought. I didn't even know she was de-aged. Yeah, she was. I mean, she looked, she's kind of like eternally beautiful. But yes, she was de-aged. She, was, she almost looked like a teenager um, when she's in the uh, the witch like trial thing. She definitely didn't look like she was almost a teenager. You should watch it again. She definitely looks like she's almost a teenager. They really de-aged her. Like, like she looks younger than she did in 10 Things I Had About You. Give it another watch. (laughs) All right, I will, I will. They really did. Okay. Uh, The detail I was looking for the second time around, in the Malcolm in the Middle episode, they have a flashback to a young Wanda and Pietro doing Halloween treats. Mm -hmm. I was like, Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if they'll be the same kids that are in the actual flashback from episode eight. Mm. They aren't, which yeah. makes me wonder if she purposed kids from the neighborhood to play young Wanda and Pietro <laughs> in that flashback. Do we think that flashback is Ag- Agatha? Because it's Pietro's fake memory of what happened. Because Wanda was like, well, I don't remember it happening like that. But I like think that. she would still have to be using people from inside the neighborhood to like yeah, even probably, perpetuate yeah. that yeah, idea. I, I know it's a tiny detail, but I'm glad they got it right that it wasn't the same yes. actors. Because it, it, shouldn't, it couldn't have been or it shouldn't have been based on the reality that we're in. Um, bit sad that we didn't see any Pietro that were in Hydra. I said that earlier. It would have been nice to see. I think just... 
would have maybe satiated people to have Aaron Taylor Johnson appear in the Hydra flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love the Scarlet Witch outfit. Like when she finally turns into the Scarlet Witch with the, the tiara and stuff. It's so fucking good. It's so good. I think I was like punching the air at that point. I was like, fuck yes. Oh, what a good moment. Uh, and just that there's a, the moment she first turns into, she's got the red eyes and like there's a certain look on her face that was like, you really do feel like the comic book version of this mm-hmm. character. Like you, they really nailed that, which is funny to think how much they just haven't been anywhere close to that up until then. Yeah. And yet we've still just thought of her as a Scarlet Witch, but she never really invoked the power of that character yet. Um, did you like like the end credits sequence at the end of every episode? The The bit with like the... The pixels and the, the I green did. One. I loved I mean, that every time. That I mean, the mystery it, in that music. Was every it please episode. stand by or whatever. The, always got me really was, excited. Oh, that irritated me. It's like, how dare you <laughs> end there? Oh, I was furious, but furious. excited. Yeah. Also, it's worth noting, everyone that's listening, there is a making of documentary. By the time this is out, it will either just be about to be released or it will be released. Um, I didn't know this. Which, yeah, it's coming out on the normal Friday that we've been getting the episodes. Because that was like, what a treat also. Every Friday night at 7pm in Melbourne, like yeah. a new episode of Perfect. I would I'd be at work and like, when I get home, I've got one division to watch. <laughs> this is cool. Yeah. Um, but the, I'm really looking forward to watching the making of. Cool. Yeah, I didn't know that was happening. That's very exciting. Because it, it could be fascinating on a number of levels, how they did things. Also, like maybe clues of where they're going with things. Maybe talk about how COVID affected mm, the production a bit yeah. as well. It'll be interesting. But I'm... Super looking forward to that. They might even talk a little bit about like their justification for Fiatro and what they did with yes. Evan Pears, which might help a little bit as well. Least favorite and favorite episode. What was your least favorite episode, Damask? Yeah, this one was really hard. I was going to do what I've done so many times before and just like not choose, chosen one. I was like, no, Thanks no. For doing the work. I'm going I'm to do it. And I think I just had to settle on episode one is filmed for a live studio audience. I think simply because it was more concept at that point than substance. Sure. Um, simply because it's first. Like that's just kind of I think what it should have been. I don't actually have a problem with that. Um, I thought it was fun and they do have moments of like, ooh, a mystery. It's mostly just watching two mole characters in the 50s. Yeah. Um, which is fun and I did enjoy that. But... I can see why, you know, releasing the two was important for that um, and the third. And moving on, I just got more and more excited and more invested in the story. So, th- for that reason, I'm simply saying episode one. You know what I love about episode one? Mm. It's essentially their wedding. Mm. Like, that's what the episode boils down to. It's like they come to all the things that you get yeah. once you have a, their song, a wedding. The yeah, rings. The rings and stuff. Yeah. That was something I was checking as well. Once the walls of the hex come down, that ring is not on her finger anymore. Yes. As it shouldn't have been. But I was like, is it still there? Maybe she kept just <laughs> that. Yeah. No, no ring. Uh, my f- least episode is episode nine, the series finale. Mm-hmm. Way better on the rewatch with less expectations, but still way too much subpar action. Mm-hmm. That's fair. It's amazing how much I just didn't need it. I didn't need visions phasing in and out of each other. I didn't need laser beams show their heads. I didn't need witches throwing purple and red shit each other. Mm. Just it, take it out of the show. I did not yeah. need it. And a little bit more way of tying Monica and the other side characters yeah. into the conclusion would have really helped as mm. well. I think that final act was everything to me. But so the end, I needed that. The, yeah. the actual emotional conclusion, again... They did the work. They knew that that was the mm. important thing and they got there with that. So, yeah. it's it's not a bad episode, not even close. Um, and, I w- yeah, especially on the rewatch, I realized it's actually quite strong. 
Mm. At the time, to- watching it the first time, I was like, oh, really? This yeah. is what you got for me? But yeah. yeah. The first time I was watching it, I thought that action sequence went for yeah. 45 minutes. I think that's because you're just waiting for well, something. Well, I was worried. I yeah. was like, they're wasting too much time fighting. Yeah. Favourite episodes? Uh, I'm going to go with episode six, all new Halloween spooktacular. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to spend more time with Pietro who the week before had just been revealed to us and I was so excited. Um, so at that point, the mystery is really ramped up with that added element of like, well, what does it all mean? Um, at that yeah, point- it creates a real wrinkle because you think you got it figured out and then Pietro shows up and you're like, I don't know anymore. Yeah. And neither does Wanda. We see Wanda, you know, suspicions abound in her own mind, but we can see her need for familiarity and so she needs someone to confide in and ask questions and get validation from all that stuff that we get with her and Pietro, which I enjoyed, as well as what he's doing for both Agnes on the rewatch and for the audience at the time that it's aired as well. I loved all that stuff. Um, We also have a slightly awakened vision exploring the town going further out we're seeing more of what it actually looks like the further you get away from what wander in the center of town yeah the um, horror of it is getting more and yes. more apparent yeah uh, we have that great scene where he finds agnes or agatha in the car mm-hmm. um, and she reveals to him that he is dead yep. she wonders if she is dead or yeah so loved that i was like oh so at that point it was great because i was like well this Agnes chick is definitely part of it. We have that moment. I was like, oh, wait. Yeah. So I thought that was really important. And yet something, there is clues there that she's still not the same as everybody else because she does not talk about the trauma of being under her control mm-hmm. the same way that immediately everybody else is just like, what are you doing? Please stop. Like yeah. Tara, she is- Well, she talks about his life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like yeah, she yeah. is yeah, mining as well as planting things, which- Mostly, yeah, planting. Yeah, which is, which is great. Um, yeah, and I was- Obviously, Vision breaching the borders. And I was on the edge of my seat throughout that episode being like, oh, what's next? What's next? It was very exciting. I loved I it. That. Yeah. Uh, I did like that episode a lot. And it is interesting as well when you talk about like Wanda investigating Pietro in that episode. It does reveal also how much she keeps saying she didn't, she doesn't know how it happened. But she understood. Yeah. She understood the world until him. Yeah. And this is the first time she's like, well, now I don't actually What's going know. On? Mm. I was sort of pretending I before. I thought I'd figured it out, but now I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, my favorite episode is episode five on a very special episode, the Family Ties 1980s slash 90s episodes. My favorite opening sequence. Yep. Agnes comes in and like does that bit, which is like, should we do that again? Like do the oh, second take, yeah. which is just like, what is happening in this show? That was that frantic, point? yeah. That was so weird. And just like, yeah, Wanda having to... Pretend it's all fine and vision like, what the fuck was that? Mm. Um, Norm feeling Wanda's grief when vision sort of takes him off out of her control for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, and you start to really understand the damage she's doing to everybody else. Yep. Um, we start to get a real understanding of her powers because in the real world, they figured out that the, the, the pants that Monica was wearing were the Kevlar. Kevlar. And yeah. it's like she's literally reshaping reality. This is not an illusion. This is mm-hmm. like metamorphosis that she's doing here, how powerful she is. Um, that scene where Wanda confronts Haywood and Sword by coming out of the hexes that mm-hmm. episode, the bit where they're having the argument and the credits roll, and then finally... Fiatro. It's like, yeah. whoa, that's a great episode. Agreed. Predictions, hopes, concerns going forward. Do you, do you, are you interested in the idea of a WandaVision season two? 
No, I think I'm interested in a WandaVision movie. A WandaVision movie? Yeah. That's an interesting idea. I mean, not a WandaVision movie. A Wanda. A Wanda movie. A, a Scarlet Witch movie. Scarlet Witch movie. Which is what you. it would be called, I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a Witch Called Wanda. Um, <laughs> is, yeah. So, I'd like that. I would love for Catherine Hahn to come back in. I don't want her to be a foil for Scarlet Witch. Not outright, certainly. But I would love for, to see them kind of team up. You're going to need me. If I do, I know exactly. we'll find you. Yes, thank you. She's coming back. Yeah, that was my real hope. And I was like, even if it was just putting a pause on the character, I like to know they've got the option to bring her back if and when they want to, which is fun. I've heard a few people suggesting she could almost become like a Loki in this mm. series where like they start yes, as a good villain. They've got good ties back to certain yeah. heroes. They can sort of play either side mm-hmm. of good and bad, be a bit in the grey, but they're just so much fun. You just yes. want them to cause mischief. Mm-hmm. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, yeah, no, I don't think I need... Not yet. I think we've had the origin story. We've moved past a lot of the things that uh, Wanda has been through in the past that only in kind of like these snaps... Um, throughout the film, these kind of like snapshots. Um, yeah, I want to see her in Doctor Strange. Yes. Uh, that I seems wanna... likely. Yes. Extremely, in fact. I assume her kids are in another universe. I hope she'll be bopping around, maybe like making some waves, tearing open some walls mm-hmm. type vibes. Yes. Scarlet- and it makes me excited for the Loki series as well. In In general, I'm just excited going forward. For future Marvel properties, properties, yeah, Loki in particular, because that one just looks like a heck of a lot of fun. It does, isn't it? Um, and if it can be a bit weird, not the same sort of weird as WandaVision, but you know, is willing to push the boundaries of what Marvel has to be, use its TV format in a fun way. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that in a big way. You know, what I'm really looking forward to because I hope the lesson here is again, we don't have to make this a punching thing at the end of every season or whatever. Mm. Um, she Hulk, yeah. because if they just commit to that format of being like a uh, courtroom drama like with She-Hulk. I think. Seriously, yeah. like just do it. I'll be there for it. I'm mm. really looking forward to. I want to see that world. I want to see that world. I mm-hmm. want to see. There must be all sorts of weird litigation and like legal ramifications that come from living in a world of superheroes. Mm-hmm. Let's look at what that means. Lean in. What are the consequences or not consequences mm. that uh, happen around these superheroes? Are they getting away with literal murder because? Or is there like some sort of like what what is happening? What is the what does the legal world think of these <laughs> these um, vigilantes? Like yeah. that that could be so fun. I'm into it. Uh, Scarlet Witch in general, the post credit scene, wander in a little witchy cabin far away from people. Good New lesson Zealand. learnt there. Good <laughs> New Zealand. I think it is New Zealand. Is it actually? I mean, at the end, they I thought she thank, might have gone to Sokovia. They like... thank New Zealand. Oh, And okay. then it looks like fucking New Zealand. Sure. So I was like, she's in New Zealand. I was thinking she might have gone to like some Sokovian like uh, mountains or something in the actual reality mm, of the yeah. show. No, I like to think she went She went to Hobbiton, did the tourist <laughs> stuff, bungee jumped, then decided to buy some property. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's COVID safe there, so. It's true. Why well, that's why it was filmed there, I think. Yeah. Her body, you know, she's drinking a cup of tea, but also astral projecting at the same time, which is a reference to Doctor Strange, but he could only do that while he was sleeping. Loser. Because she's more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. Mm-hmm. She has the Dark Hold, which yes. is the Book of the Damned. This is essentially mm-hmm. the, Netron- the Necronomicon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, as she's like doing whatever she's doing some orbs around her, maybe looking through different realities. We mm-hmm. hear the twins. 
Yeah. The yes. music plays from Doctor Makes Strange me rock as well. Hard even when you just des- describe it slowly for me, I was like, "Yeah, it's fabulous." What that really looks like, I I honestly think she might be a, the antagonist mm-hmm. of Doctor Strange, the inciting force that like does something to unravel the multiverse in mm-hmm. a way that the Doctor Strange has to get involved. She's this untrained witch who's just, just kind of learning out of a. a Evil book. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like bad. Wanda, you didn't learn your fucking lesson, mate. Yep. And I hope she kills Doctor Strange if he comes for her. Do you? <laughs> do you think... How well do you know the comics? How well do you know like House of M and those sorts of things? Um, only what I've read in preparation for this podcast. Sure. Yeah. Which essentially is the idea uh, that... The basic synopsis is what I know of it. Yep. Yeah. Um. Well, in the comic books, it's where she basically eliminated mutants from Mm -hmm. the Marvel Universe. People talk about her doing a reverse House of M and maybe bringing mutants into existence. Mm -hmm. I still think that's very much on the table. I think so. Because it was ultimately, this was not the end point for the Scarlet Witch. This was the origin story of the Scarlet Witch. Mm -hmm. It would have been nice for it to happen in WandaVision, but this was her starting to get control of her powers. I mean, that's a lot to fit in. It would have been. (laughs) the first season. Would have loved it. What a way to start Phase 4. But I think Mm. it makes more sense to maybe be later down the line, Mm -hmm. maybe end of Phase 4 type of thing. Um, And then, yeah, that's where we're going to roll in the X-Men stuff like that. I could definitely see that still happening. Did you, how did, what did you read about the Mind Stone bit in the flashback where she's in the Hydra complex and she sees that vision of Scarlet Witch? Mm. Did you see that as seeing her future or did you see that as seeing something else? I read it as something else. Me too. Yeah. I read it as being like an entity from beyond kind this like reality the reaching Jean out. Grey thing. Like, the Phoenix Force. Yeah, kind of like yeah. that kind of this presence, this thing has enters her and gives her that kind of – it's representative of the power. Um, yeah, and is – an other. That's yeah. what I thought as well. Mm. I kind of, this is where I feel like this is why the Nexus thing was mentioned. It's mm. like, if Scarlet Witch is a Nexus being, this mm-hmm. was like the quintessential Scarlet Witch that exists between and throughout all realities, reaching out to Wanda and like unlocking the Scarlet mm. Witch within her sort of thing is how I felt about it, which yeah. excites me on a different level because that yeah. suggests a whole, it's much more fun than just, I saw my future where I got this cool outfit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's part of, yeah, the forging and, is like yeah. the fusing of those two things then creates the what she is now, which I like. I have no idea when Vision's going to return. But no. that could be in a future TV show. Maybe there's a whole Vision TV show, figuring, like him figuring out who he is, what How he is. How do I love? Mm. Could be in Doctor Strange. Who knows? In the original release schedule, WandaVision and Doctor Strange were meant to release about a, a week apart or about a mm. month apart or something like that. They were meant to be explicitly next to each other and now they're a year apart. <laughs> this makes me so damn you, COVID. But it was also meant to be like the fourth thing of stage four, WandaVision. I'm glad it was, it was meant first. To... I... I'm way more excited now. We didn't talk this about this, but I really am super happy that we had an 18-month break. Worst way for it to possibly happen. Mm. Like COVID delaying Black Widow and everything else you know, out of the schedule is not the way to do it. Mm-hmm. But that 18 months off really refreshed my hunger for mm. Marvel. And starting with something so weird as WandaVision sets a great precedent for what we would, should want more of, I hope, in mm. Phase 4. Whether or not that happens, I still think Black Widow looks like it's going to be pretty down the line Marvel. And Well, that's the thing is like I'm... After watching WandaVision, 
I'm like, I don't want to go back to... Shitty, shitty, bang, bang. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm less same. interested. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to a Black Widow movie still though. I don't know if I am. We didn't. We didn't really get to give her a goodbye. Forgot. This is sort of Vision's goodbye in a way, mm. and Wanda's hello. Yeah. Uh, but maybe this is a way to say goodbye to Black Widow in a way that she deserves better than she got in uh, Endgame. <laughs> yeah. uh, Monica, as I said, she's either going to she's going to space, mm-hmm. joining Sword in space during, uh, with Nick Fury, either Secret Invasion or Captain Marvel two. They didn't really give us a lot of clues as to where they're going to go with her story, so much as they just gave her origin to her powers. Mm-hmm. The only real clue was the way she was like didn't want to talk about Captain Marvel. You're fascinated by that. Yeah. Really interested. I love that interaction though between. Jimmy Woo and um, and Monica, where she's like, oh, I think, you know, Wanda could have taken out Thanos if it wasn't for mm. the blitz that he started. And he was like, I don't know, Captain Marvel almost had it too. And I was like, just talking about these super powerful <laughs> women and like, which one's more powerful? Yeah. I like that. Billy and Tommy, because family is forever was the mm-hmm. line and the thing that does suggest that they still exist apart from the screaming in the final bit. Mm-hmm. Quicksilver, what do you reckon the future of Quicksilver is? Look, I'll this- be honest, now I would love him to be that guy in witness protection randomly. He's not. Um, I think maybe, well, are we getting a multiverse? Yes. We're getting a movie about the multiverse. So, Whether we get a multiverse or not is a different question. What does that mean for Quicksilver? I don't know. See, put it. let me put it this way. Maybe she'll bring her kids and her version of Quicksilver back, but I don't fucking know. The thing that I... I see, like, everyone talks about, like, the Quicksilver thing opening up the multiverse and getting the X-Men from the X-Men mm. series in here, though, right? I can see maybe a smattering of that. I personally think it's more likely we're going to get... A fresh new X-Men? Yeah. She's Which gonna I do, think I She's going to do, like, a House of M and, like, yeah. there's going to be mutants or she's going to unlock mutant powers or latent people or whatever. Mm. And that's when we're going to get our Xaviers and our Wolverines mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I think that would be cleaner. I, I think Marvel wants to be cleaner. Yeah. I don't think it wants to be tied to other mm-hmm. people's continuity. I think it wants to be, which is why the Evans Peter thing was sort of such a yeah. tease. <laughs> we have Falcon and the Winter Soldier coming out in just a week and a bit from recording. Mm. I think it's six episodes. Mm-hmm. Are you looking forward to that? I'll watch it. I'm not really looking forward to it because it looks like. Shoo, shoo, bang, bang. Yeah. Um, so, not. I, I, I will definitely watch it. And if I'm not vibing, then I'll cancel my subscription just wait for the next thing that I'm excited about um you're a massive Captain America fan though yeah he's not there <laughs> but it's about the legacy of Captain America no 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 <laughs> no it's not Chris Evans yeah therefore I don't That's, care I, I I need that character it's you that character's journey Bucky? I care about I don't care about the branding of Captain America and no I don't care about Bucky See, I care enough about Bucky. Mm. I kind of care about Sam. We, didn't have, we haven't had, Well, that's the thing, We right? haven't spent enough time with either of them, but maybe but they'll that make that was the us, same with that's true. Vision and Wanda. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to try it out. I want to like it, but I'm not holding my breath that I will or... I'm more excited for Loki. Yeah, I'm definitely excited about that. That looks like a shit ton of fun. But I'll be there. I'll, like, the idea again, Friday nights. Oh, there's a new episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier to watch. Yeah. 
I'm pretty keen That's for that. Nice. Thank you very much for listening to this extended episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Hile of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B Gordis, B G O R D E S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter at Maskymoo, M A S K Y M O. Next episode, we'll be back to discuss The Soprano Season 4. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Flourish! Good day, everybody! Absolutely. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.